When getting the job done right is job one, you need construction equipment that's built right. From compact track loaders to the world's number one selling compact excavator, the Kubota construction lineup features durable Kubota engines, more comfort, and the versatility to do it all and do it right. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Lee Tractor Company. On the web at LeeTractor.net. And we're going to wait for over on Spreaker for our good friend uh, uh, Bill WD40 because he's got to lube us up for tonight's show. Uh, Royal Morning Blue, welcome to SOR Chat uh, from London. Mike Bothwell. Sibylla Irwin, how are you, my friend? Nice to see you. Let's go gaming. Thanks for coming on in. Hey, Stephen, thank you so much for kicking off the Super Chat tonight. Very much appreciate it. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much. Uh, Debbie Nickerson, welcome to SOR Chat. Lily Pond, good to have you back. Kelly Schultz, welcome. How are you? And uh, Verpine, welcome to SOR Chat. Uh, Desert Rat, Stu Gerson, good to see you all. Ro- Dr. Steers, how you doing? Pay Parker, nice to have you here. Midwest Night Watchers, thanks for coming on in. Jeff Steve Garvey, he'll hit a home run for you. We're 30 seconds away. Can we get it done? Hey, Pixie Laura, how you doing? And uh, let's see. I think we're uh, pretty caught up there. Hey, if you want to have some fun with us, May 19th to 21st at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, Nevada, for the second annual SOR Fan Party. So check it on out on our website. And you can do all your shopping at spacedoutradio.com. we got some cool swag there for you. But for right now, it is that time of the night where I ask for your horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them. On our website, we got a very cool show for you tonight. True crime, treasure hunting, uh, psychic medium, intuitive Jeanette Lucas is here to break it all down for us. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Swamp Dweller has another amazing story for us. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio will join us for the cryptid report. And Shirky Poo will have the news. All right, let's get to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight. Why? Because... It's something different than UFOs and Bigfoot for once. 
Yes, Jeanette Lucas's true crime casework has literally put her in the spotlight for locating high-profile missing people like Kaylee Anthony and uh, Chandra Levy for the FBI. Through the years, she has located a bunch of other real interesting objects as well. She's a treasure hunter. Yeah, she's picked up uh, treasures from 350 A.D., an Al Capone and Frank Nitti treasure with over 60 bars of silver. She uses remote viewing to find items. Oh, we're going to have a good time tonight. Hour one, we're going to talk about some true crime. Let's bring Jeanette Lucas in right now. Jeanette, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. Excited. You know why? Because we're not talking... (laughs) UFOs and Bigfoot. I get a break. I'm good with that. <laughs> I get a break, and I'm excited about it. And uh, I got to ask you, you know, you're into true crime. You're into treasure hunting. You're into a lot of really cool things. What's your favorite, Jeanette? I think treasure hunting. You know, you can dig it up, and it's right there in your face. <laughs> oh, I lo- I've never been. I've never been. See, the last time I went treasure hunting is, well, you know what? I'm a geocacher. You know, I know, okay. you're, not, I know you're not supposed to admit you're a geocacher, but I am a geocacher. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to go the, this last year because just way too busy. But I guess that's sort of like treasure hunting, but not real treasure hunting because you're going for for the real good stuff that you can find. I mean, you know, we're going to get into treasure hunting more in hour number two. But, uh, I mean, that's got to be a blast, just picking up something that has been under the soil or in in behind brick walls for, for decades, if not centuries or millennia. Absolutely. It's amazing. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna need here. you. I'm gonna need you to expand on your answers because this is radio here. So, uh, if no, you... that's fine. I can. I can. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Okay, so let, we're gonna start off with true crime tonight because this is something where you use your personal gifts, and I want to. I want to kind of get into that side of you a little bit. At when you were, uh, how old were you when you discovered your gifts? So um, I am second generation. And so I had a near-death experience about age six, and then one at seven, and then one at 27, and one in my 30s. And each one gave me more of a psychic talent um, because of the near-death. And my father was already into the paranormal. He held his day job, but he was heavily into the paranormal by his interest in dowsing. I don't know if you, you are you familiar with dowsing? Yes. I, I assume so. Yes. Okay. So, so, you know, one of the guys on your, on your list and in, in the chat room is, is a Marine era. My family's Marine, but here's the deal. My dad was in the sixties, uh, hired by the government and the feds to basically, uh, locate booby traps and bombs for the Vietnam era from America to Vietnam. So in other words, he was working here on maps. And then what he did was he pinpointed it on the GPS or he pinpointed it with highly classified maps. And then they would go to the area and say, okay, here's some bombs or here's a large quantity of troops. Or um, there was one thing that was found. And the reason I call, cover my dad sidebar is that it, I'm again, I'm second generation. And so it's a stepping stone. So I, I had the advantage of an encyclopedia of the paranormal at home. 
Now, regarding most people, they don't. So um, my father uh, used the, the dowsing first, and then he got into the interest of the near-death because he started working with the the U.S. government, and they told him all about the equipment. They could hear the other side. Are, you, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I guess I don't know the... And so he actually went with a couple of senators and congressmen to somebody's house and listened to the equipment from the 60s. And at that time, I was like six or seven. And it was really impressive back then. But now it's amazing. Now you can hear a full sentence, you know, and it's not an echo and you don't hear a lot of garbage. So back then you could hear the, you know, the the sounds uh, interfering and you had to sort of make it out the best you could do, but they did very well back then. So he, um, he also found something and helped the Marines with finding what's called the rat tunnelers and the rat tunnelers. So in my work, it's not just black and white with my work. We expound upon what's out there Um, on the rat tunnelers. um, For example, here's two examples. Uh, The rat tunnelers would create a tunnel and they would go down 30 feet deep in Vietnam and they would have like 300 guys in the tunnel hiding from the Americans and then what happened was they would use the dowsing rods find the tunnel and that's how they they would find the hole and then they would go down there and not to be crude but kill a bunch of them and do a, a body count and so then eventually you had the 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 guys that got labeled the they were the rats, you know, that would go down. The American youth soldiers would go down there and, and be called the rats to go down there and kill everybody. It was, you know, war's tough. You know, it's ugly. Um, another thing that was really good, and these are just different circumstances with dowsing, is that you would wa- he would walk he would teach guys to walk along with the L rods. And when the L rods reacted a certain way, they would dig. And when they did, for example, in the middle of a road, they would find a little tube in the road and they pulled it up and pulled out stuff out of the tube and it would be communication devices from the enemy. And boom, you're done. Now, on my work, I started out with dowsing from from his knowledge because the the military and the government officials came to our house when i was seven um but so i got to see it firsthand and got involved with the standing there and learning how to do it and then also showing the marines how to do it um but was what was interesting is the near death really woke me up um i got information from the other side to tell me how to use my talents and that my whole life was going to change at 27 and boom I became a psychic at 27. My goodness, that is quite a run. Watching your dad have all of these private, intimate, maybe even top secret type conversations. I, I mean, usually children aren't around when those are going on. Why were you allowed to sit in there? Um, well, uh, they came to our house, and my dad wanted to show them. He knew the the lay of the land at our house in Falls Church, Virginia, um, which is about 15 minutes from D.C. or 10 minutes from D.C., and so they coordinated coming to the house. I don't think they had a clue that this was going to turn into classified material. I think that in time they realized, hey, we don't want to teach our enemies what Lewis is teaching us. Um, and so eventually it, it's still considered classified today. So was it why was I included? Uh, you know, I was a kid running around the house, one of five. Um, and he, I, I, I will tell you that they included my brother first and the Marines that were standing there taking training lessons from my father in the backyard. 
um, didn't understand the whole process. And my brother came out and tried to teach them. They did okay. And then I said, well, that's really stupid. And because I ran out there and I was watching. And I said, you take the L rods and you track and then you go over here. Uh, what they did was they used a um, underground water. So we were tracking underground water and going to the very far back of the yard. And I said, track the water and then you'll find the largest quantity of water. And I used the L rods. They opened up and I said, it's right here. They dug and boom, here's the water. Now, there's no difference from finding a tunnel the same exact way you track and then you find where the open tunnel is or the largest quantity of humans in, in the hole. Um, if it's a missing person, you track where are they going from step one, two, three, four, and boom, you have the site. Um, most of the time it works really good. Of course you have your unusual, unusual occurrences where it's a glitch and it just doesn't work period. And you're not quite sure why. So th that's a general idea of why I got involved because I was standing there being nosy, you know, six, seven-year-old kid. And um, they, I think they understood more after two kids got involved. My brother was showing them, here's the water line, but I went to the larger body, which means go from, again, go from point A, B, C, D, or point one, two, three, four. Wow. Wow. That, that's an interesting... Uh, way to be brought up. I mean, not only dowsing, how did you get into remote viewing? Oh, I, I was, uh, when I had my near death, they were teaching me things and uh, they were teaching me how to use my dream state. And they would say, we want you to do this, or we want you to do that. And then I thought, well, isn't that the same thing as remote viewing? Cause I had heard about remote viewing and um, I guess that was the one when I was 27 and the near death at 27. And they said, well, remote viewing is the same thing as psychic visions in a way. Um, a lot of these remote viewers teach, oh, here's your target. Um, I don't use that methodology. You can. I don't teach remote viewing. I was taught remote viewing from upstairs. As it, it, That's a plain term. You want to call it the heavens, so be it. The other side, so be it. It works for me. So when you started remote viewing, how accurate are you? I'm pretty good. I mean, you know, in the nineties percentage rate wise. And what would you be remote viewing? So, all right. For example, I had a guy come in a couple of months ago and he uh, had an estate that, that he heard that his father hid money all over the house so I would have to remote view what were the items around the missing, uh, to be honest with you, it was gold coins, gold bars, silver bars, uh, dollar bills, that kind of thing. So what I did was I said, okay, it looks like we're on floor number three, and I want you to go stand in front of the a workout table, uh, like a bench, you know, like a you know, man cave where they're working out with the, the drills and tools. And I said, your stairs should be to the right. So that's the remote viewing part. And I said, I want you to move the pipes around. And he hid a bunch of money and gold coins. And I said, but it's, what's interesting, I said, I see three gold coins and I see a pack of cash. And um, so far we found $50,000 of goodies from the estate. No kidding. No yeah. Kidding. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so a, 
a lot of people don't realize that when you're doing your remote viewing, why are you wasting your time on, oh, this is the target and so forth? You, you also need to teach people what's to the right of the item, what's to the left of the item, what's in front of the item, what's behind the item, underneath and on top. And that's what I was taught when I had my near death. That's just, just my approach from what I was taught. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. How does remote viewing differ from your own psychic intuition that you have? Okay, so psychic intuition is uh, it can be a gut feel. Um, I can also, for example, I just had two calls today about a miss, you know, missing kitty, and is the kitty okay, alive or dead? And I say I see it jumping now. If you're moving, so you can use that remote viewing or sensing. So your sensing is showing you a vision of the kitty jumping. That means the kitty's alive. If the kitty is laying there and sort of squished, like no oxygen, that means the kitty's dead. So I sort of uh, create a terminology for everything I do. And um, and as I mentioned, since I had four near deaths, each time I went upstairs, they gave me pointers, do this, do that. And then they would tell me when cases would come to me. So, so let's say you're sensing, okay, let's just talk about you, for example. Okay. So let's say... You, you may have broken a finger when you were younger. And I say, okay, so it feels like it's the thumb. But I'm just giving you a prime example. I don't know if that happened or not, but I'm just giving you an example. So that is a vision or that is remote viewing. In your senses, you're saying, I'm feeling like it's this or I'm feeling like it's that. But I also have an unusual ability only 4% of the world has, and it's called synesthesia. And that is a part of the brain that is turned on that can do more psychic input. Um, for example, I can hear the name of a road, or and I'll give you a case I worked on. I can hear the name of a killer, or I can hear the route number, or I can sense a smell. For example, I worked on a case and I said, oh, he threw her in the dump because I smell a... Um, I smell like a garbage pit. And I said, so go to the dump and she's real near, she's real close by. And I said, but she, you can't say she's on the left side. You have to say when you're facing the dump, she's on the West side. And I said, she's over where the water is to the far left. And you have to say, Oh, 300 yards or 300 feet. Um, a little different than most psychics. Most psychics um, just go, Oh, I think it's on the left. You can't say that. You have to be more specific. When I do treasure hunting, um, for example, I, I'm working in some on some archaeological work in New England. I actually use a GPS. Um, so, for example, uh, I had a call, a call from Austria, and a guy wanted me to locate a bunch of stuff. And so he gave me like 10 cases and I said, the only one you have that uh, anything of value is this particular case. And I said, I want you to park here. So I gave him the GPS. All right. So, you know, you can go to Google, Google Earth and I see a street and I want you to go to the park right here. And I want you to walk 15 feet. Um, and sometimes I actually give the azimuth and I say, I want you to go to the, this GPS. And then I want you to dig four to 10 inches. And what happened was in five minutes, seven minutes, he walked over to that site, dug, and found um, archaeological stuff in about seven minutes, he said. I mean, he had to filter it, you know, but right. it was from the Dark Ages. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely incredible. And, and you know what? 
you mentioned something when you first started your 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 explanation about you know trusting what you're seeing and i think for the majority of us out there we don't trust that first instinct we don't trust that first vision we want to overthink everything you know <clears throat> or, or even if we do get something pegged on because i believe every person does have some sort of intuitive ability to do so that we're always second or third guessing ourselves i mean is that the difference between what you're doing comparatively to what the rest of us are not doing it, it, it's sort of accurate, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm looking at a chair in front of me. So you're with the other guy, right? Um, dirty filth. Yes. <laughs> so, you, so you're with dirty filth. Is dirty filth sitting right in front of you? No, he's out. Of, he's in a different city. Okay. So let's say you're looking straight ahead and looking at a lamp or a chair. Right. When you look at the lamp or the chair, that's let's say that's the missing person or that's the treasure screw that look to the left look to the right look underneath look above and then you also do the gps and then you also use re remote viewing then you use your senses for the smell does the chair stink does the chair not stink if the chair stinks what's the smell cigarettes cat uh booze that kind of thing so i get into it a little deeper i don't want to call it levels but it's it's more of a, a breaking down of the details and i think that increases your accuracy rate but a lot of people aren't doing that they're just like oh i see a missing kid um it feels like it's in the town well that's great where so i tell people go by landmark women go by landmarks and men go by mileage so and that's a fact that's that's statistics so for example, I'm talking to you, if you look at a chair in front of you or something like that, look around the 360 and see what you find. And, th and then you'll say, oh, I can find that particular item because she gave me all the details or the landmarks around that particular chair. And it might be an object or that you see that is what <clears throat> actually leads you right to that area because you could be wrong on 90% of them or 99%, but if you get that one right, that could be... When getting the job done right is job one, you need construction equipment that's built right. From compact track loaders to the world's number one selling compact excavator, the Kubota construction lineup features durable Kubota engines, more comfort, and the versatility to do it all and do it right. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Lee Tractor Company. On the web at leadtractor.net. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com win or lose oh yeah yeah i mean i'll i'll give you another example if that's okay yes um, we have two example, and a half minutes okay so i'll just give you an example about a, a, a treasure hunter um he was out in the field in north carolina didn't have any information on it so i couldn't do gps so i had to go with the remote viewing and i said there's a red pole there is that correct and he goes yeah how'd you know that i said shut up let's just go forward <laughs> 
And I said, go to the red pole, put your compass on zero. And I, then I would do the dowsing and I'd say, count 15 feet, just as an example. And I want you to stop right there, but I want you to use the azimuth. I want you to go to the compass where it's 315 degrees. So the, the zero is the pole and you go to 315 degrees, but you walk 15 feet to go three, three, does that make sense? At the pole is zero. And then you walk 15 feet, but in the azimuth or the direction of 300, 315 degrees. And I said, stop there and dig like four to six inches. And they, they, they found the only thing that they'd, they'd come, they'd searched like, I don't know, tons of acreage and they were ready to collapse. And I found them a gold ring. Oh, that cool. was the only thing they found. Yeah. They couldn't find anything else. They were like, no, there's gold here. I was like, no, there's not. The only thing that's there is this particular item, and th- that's how we found it. I would love to use and abuse your your talents for my area because I live right along the Gold Rush Trail where there is literally still millions of dollars <clears throat> in gold hidden uh, around trees and the highways and, uh-huh. and in stumps. Like, literally, I, I think they, they think there's over... 30 40 billion dollar or million dollars pardon me of gold that was just left by prospectors because they didn't want to get robbed or they or they uh, forgot where they yeah. hit it or or wherever it may be we need you around here we need you so i i will tell you there was a i'll just pitch this movie recently there was a new movie out called the brothers sisters and it's a cowboy movie based in the 1800s. And they did exactly that. They didn't want to get robbed, so they buried next to a tree half of their goods. And then they hid the rest on the horse somewhere and then carried a little bit with them. And thank God they did, because they did get robbed. And they got to go back to the tree if they can freaking find it. Um, most of the time, these guys drop dead. I mean, look at Jesse James. He yeah. would hide stuff all along his trail. So he always has some money no matter what. And this is this is true. It's accurate. This stuff is there. Absolutely. Jeanette, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. When we return with Jeanette Lucas, we're going to get into some true crime cases. She's worked for the FBI, police forces, and some pretty famous cases. So we're going to find out about these cases when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. A great show is coming forward tonight. Yeah, I'd love to find some of that hidden gold. So, uh, Jeanette, just as a reminder to Mm -hmm. you, uh, our Mm -hmm. audience on YouTube, Twitch, and the podcast side can hear us. Our radio side cannot. Uh, So... Um, we can chat away and, uh, I don't usually talk show topics, uh, during this time, but, uh, I'm telling you, I got to get you up here for the gold rush, you know, got to get you up here. Yeah, I had, I had some, uh, I can do it from my home. (laughs) It's people are like, you do what? (laughs) I do it from my home. I, I, I call it cheating, but it's not cheating. Basically I take a map and I say, okay. Give me the name of the road, and I'll say, show me the largest quantity of gold on the map in this town. And I'll say, okay, Dave, I want you to go right here, and I'll give you a radius. So let's say I say, um, okay, you're in Canada, and I'm here. I want you to do a five-foot radius or a two-foot radius. Um, what I did with the guys in North Carolina 
was I said, go 15 feet, stop, dig right there. But if it's not right there, you know, do a three foot radius. But he had a metal detector on him. So boom, he was done. It was at 15 feet. I mean, but again, you got to go with the GPS. It's really impressive. Oh. So I don't have to come there. I Besides, would... you guys are cold right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is cold. I'm not going to lie. There may or may not yeah. be snow on my yard, and and uh, it's not going away. Uh-huh. Not, not, not yeah. May, maybe? Uh, April. You know, I might, April? See, okay. I might see grass by May. <clears throat> you never know. All right. So. Yeah. It's the way it is around uh, here. Yeah, but it's worth going after. Um, a lot of times, these guys, what they did was some of them on the the movie The Brothers Sisters, they actually hid the entire. I guess you call it a mule pack, and um, I, it's amazing what's out there. There's so much money out there. I'm a little shocked the federal government, and I will repeat this to people: they're not going after all this money sitting out there. It could get us out of the national debt. I mean, we have a ton of gold out there. We have. You know, the Dutchman's mine, that supposedly has been found. But there's just so much stuff. I got a call regarding a, a case um, from a uh, brothel, for example, in the Midwest. And they're like, we need you to find this, this, and this. And the guy got hurt. So he's. it's been two years. He broke his leg. And so he hasn't been able to go out yet. So he's hoping to go out in the spring, finally. But... Um, yeah, there's just incredible amounts of money out there, just everywhere. Yeah, you know, some people call me and they go, "Oh, we want you to find a down plane." Um, I had a call yesterday. Can you find an air, uh, you know, a plane crash? And I was like, "Well, yeah, that's not that hard. Who's going to go looking for it?" <laughs> oh, they're looking. Who's they? So that's the problem with a lot of these projects is mm. you have to get someone to go look. You know. Well, I would split the gold with you fifty-fifty. I'm in. I'm in. I find stuff. I'm, you know, I will tell you, I have some very weird talents. Um, when I feel gold, my teeth react in a very funny way. I tell people my teeth go crazy. They just, they start oh, throbbing. Like yeah, they start throbbing. And it's like every time I, somebody calls me and says, I have a project. And if my teeth start throbbing, I'm like, oh my God, he's got something. And of course I want to talk to that customer because <laughs> I want to find the gold. I just got to get a, I just got to get a metal detector now. <clears throat> you do, but I mean, you know, there's whites, there's there're quite a few out there. <clears throat> yeah. See, I the, the, I mean, the only issue that we have around here is a mm-hmm. lot of the properties along the highway are privately owned. There's not a lot of crown land <clears throat> along the highways. So, I mean, I think the 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 rule is if it's found on a private property, you're not allowed to keep it because that's property of of the that individual, that individual, sure, the right? resident, right? Well, I mean, certainly what you could do is go knock on their door and say, "Hey, listen, I'm working on some fun projects. I'm Radio Radio Dave, and blah blah blah. Would you mind if I metal detect on your property?" If they say yes, you're in. You do have to have a written contract. Because once you find it, if they're not standing there and then you start putting stuff in your pockets, they're going to they're gonna think he's stealing from me. So it is a very delicate field. No different than true crime. It's very delicate. People Absolutely. are very sensitive. Absolutely. You know, but, but, but I mean, you could, um, 
you could, when the guys found the ring, I'm not going to fib to you. They were supposed to give me the ring as my payment. The guy was so excited. He hasn't given up the ring. Oh my goodness. We got about, <laughs> fi- just, we got about know. 15 seconds here before we come <clears throat> back. Thank you to Steven in the UK for kicking off the super chat tonight. We very much appreciate it. And hi, 405er. Good to see you tonight. And here we go with the second half hour, everyone. Stay tuned. Second half hour of Space Town Radio is underway. True crime tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Space Town Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our, our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Jeanette Lucas. She is a psychic medium. She was worked with the FBI and police forces to help crack cases of missing people and true crime. She's also a treasure hunter, which is what we're going to talk about in hour number two. Jeanette, welcome back. Thank you. I'm here. How does uh, one get involved with the police on a big true crime case? Well, uh, mine has just been by accident. I fell into the hole and it, I filled it. Um, on the Chandra Levy case in D.C., she was the missing intern uh, that uh, supposedly people thought, oh, she just went for a hike, but it, it didn't go in that direction. So a community leader had gotten readings from me, and he knew how accurate I was. So he was friends with the chief of police, and he knew the FBI was there trying to find her missing remains or alive and he said hey let's go to Jeanette's house and see if she can help us so just in case I called my dad out and um, the the top FBI agent came out and um, he sat down and I always do a little prayer first which is what I call a trigger and it sounds a little odd but it's a trigger for me and um, like let's say you were sitting there and go boo-hoo-hoo Every time you do a case, you always do boo-hoo-hoo, or you do your prayer, or you do your little incantation, whatever you have to do. And then what happened was um, the community leader came in with the FBI. We sat down. We chatted. Um, I think he found out that I had to show him my press kit, that these are some of my credentials. Um, I'm in the Smithsonian Magazine for Finding Missing Objects. I'm in Psychology Today for Finding Buried Treasure. I'm in the Washington Post for remote viewing. Uh, I'm in the LA Times for a homicide I worked on. Um, So the accolades certainly help, um, but it's also who you know. Um, People have, I just got a phone call from a friend and she said, oh, it's referral a lot of times. It's, you know, uh, or people read about you and read about me in different magazines or books. I'm in books already. So um, it sort of fell like that one fell into place. All right. I I guess that's how it worked with the police. 
you either have a 50-50 shot, either they want to hear what you have to say because they're so desperate to solve it and close the case that they'll listen to you. Um, on the Casey Anthony case, I was called. Um, on Additionally, on the Casey Anthony case, not only was I called, but once I told him where the remains were, um, the detective from the case called me and said, not the, not the private detective, um, the actual police detective called me and said, why didn't you call me and tell me where she was? I would have gone there right away. And I said, well, I, I typically don't like to call the cops. If you want me, you have to call me. And I don't stick my nose in your business. If you need me, call. And, and that was our conversation. So that gives you a general idea of what, what happens and how it falls into place. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So I mean, when when the FBI, let's take the Casey Anthony case, because that, that one, I believe, is is so, you know, weird and strange. And and it got, you know, front page news and front television news on it. I mean, mm-hmm. at what point were you called into that case? Um, I, I was called in very quickly. So, um, I would say within a couple of weeks, um, somebody called my father. He thought my father did the work and he said, no, Jeanette does the true crime. I don't like it. And, um, so the man called me and we met and I said, oh, she's like right down the street. And the man didn't want to hear it. I I mean, it, it was ridiculous. So I said, she's right down the street. She's right over here. And he goes, no, that's not possible. It was a real fight, so I let go, and then the man wanted me to teach him how to do what I do with the true crime work, and it was not a win-win. He he just, either he and I just didn't click with the training, or he just didn't have the talent. Um, he, he said he was a dowser, and a lot of dowsers are very, very talented. Teaching them is a, much easier. Um, so on the Anthony case... Uh, basically he introduced me to Dominic Casey and Dominic Casey was the private detective, but Dominic Casey worked with the lawyer and the lawyer and Dominic worked with Casey. Um, It it was, it's such a convoluted case. And this, this does happen a little bit more often than people believe. Okay. So when you get called onto a case like this, what do they ask from you? How does that work? Um, I did ask for maps and stuff, but nobody sent me anything. Nothing. I got nothing. So let's say you came over to my house and you had a drink and said, let's talk about this case. That's what I got. That's I, I got nothing. Everybody, uh, there were like 4,000. I pulled up one chat room and there were 4,000 people talking about the case and my work because it was all about me. And uh, they all thought I got maps. I got nothing. <laughs> and so I joke about it saying, yeah. Before you know or before you have an opinion and judge me, come come listen to the truth. The truth is I got a phone call and I met with one of the guys and I said, I think she's over here. They didn't want to hear it. Um, what they were doing is stringing it out. And again, that was a very convoluted case. Um, on What I normally do is go to the computer, print out maps, and I use several methods to douse out where the body might be. Uh, my first technique is to divide the case in two directions. One is the is the person alive or dead, and if they're dead and they're sitting still, where where are they sitting still? And then if they're alive, 
where are they moving or are they moving in a house or a hidden room, that kind of thing. Um, and I have found people al al alive, which is pretty nice. Um, but a lot of people think, oh, all your cases have got to be homicides or just death by suicide, that kind of thing. And I've, I've worked on suicides, but um, I do like to break them down. So alive or dead, or is it a, a crime case like homicide or suicide, that kind of thing. Um, I tell people, if you're ever going to do it, start off with, are they dead or alive? And then don't worry about who did it. That's, that's the cop's job. Let them do it. And then if they want you to do it, get them to pay you to do it. If they don't pay you to do it, then don't, don't waste your time. Or if the family wants to pay you, get them to pay you to solve the crime and give the information directly to the police. Make a double copy, one for the family and one for the police. Because a lot of times the family are so freaking traumatized, they just can't take the next step. It's very challenging. Yeah, I, I can I can totally see where that would be completely challenging and, and you know, really not given any sort of of help whatsoever regarding that. I mean, when you are, when you are uh, looking at a case like this, how, how much detail do you know right before, uh, right beforehand, you know, do they, do they give you what, what you need to know or do they, do they no. keep it vague? Um, well, every case is different. Um, for example, would you like me to give you a couple of examples? Would that be yeah, helpful for your Yeah, I would love it. Listeners? Okay, so let's go on a case where I found a missing kid alive. All right. So you're sitting there. You get a phone call. I, my kid's missing. And they were nice. They were traumatized. They said the feds came in town, and they're all over the place searching for the little girl. And the mom is, of course, you know, crying on the phone, which is really hard to take. And I said, get on over here, because I knew the people, and come on over and let me, do not ever make a quick guess, ever. And a lot of psychics will do that, and that's what happened on the Anthony case. You've got like, so let's say 2,300 psychics called, according to Detective Allen, all right? Do not ever give a guess. Do not ever start going blah, 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 blah. Um, write everything down. And then say, I'm going to mail you a letter of what I think, and I hope it helps. And then back off and shut your mouth. Um, on the little missing girl, the mother came to see me in person. Um, she did not bring a piece of clothing, but sometimes that helps a lot. And um, I said, okay, so let's go with a, she's alive or dead. And I saw her in a shed. So do you see the 3D or 4D? I see her. I look around her, there's the remote viewing, and I said, she's moving around the shed, so she she's alive. And so the mom, of course, is crying, boo-hoo-hoo, which is rough. It's rough stuff. And um, I said, well, here is the good news, because I, I use that as point A, and I backtrack where she went. In other words, she's already in a shed. So how did she get there? So you back up to where she was originally. Um, so she was missing from the school. And I said, okay, this sounds weird. I see her with two or three little girls. She's leaving school. And instead of coming home, she is going to this shed. <laughs> and the mother goes, what? I said, she's hiding in a shed. You know, you're divorcing, right? And she said, yes. I said, she is freaked out. Mom and dad are divorcing. She loves you both. 
and she's running away and she's hiding in her shed and her little two little girlfriends have hit her in the shed and they're feeding her. It had been like three or four days and this kid was missing. It was creepy. And they called me back and said, which kid? And I said, give me the names of her best friends. And I said, it feels like best friends. And I said, it feels like a case. She's in the shed of Kay's house or Kathleen's house or Catherine's house. And she's in the shed in the back. And they went there and there she was. They had set her up with teddy bears and food and uh, toys, <laughs> coloring books. She was there alive. That is it's a great story. And I can understand the incredible, the incredible feat of that. I mean, you know, the idea behind going through <coughs> this process, you know, I mean, uh-huh. how, how do you feel the emotions? Do you feel the trauma? Do you feel <coughs> uh, everything that kind of goes along with it as well? Well, in the beginning, when I was younger and I worked on my first case when I was really young, um, I felt the trauma because that was my first police case. Um, on that particular one, my father was in Maryland teaching a class on dowsing and he took me with him because he was like, oh, come watch the class. I was like, okay, whatever. So we were spending the night at a the, the hostess, the hostess's house where he was teaching a class. I woke up in the night. So this is just another example. I woke up in the night. Are you a Jeep owner or do you want to come watch a Jeep parade? Either way, West Baton Rouge has you covered. Friday, December 2nd, it's the Jingle Jeep Parade. Fun for all ages. Deadline to register is November 30th. For details or to register, visit westbatonrouge.net. Don't miss the Jingle Jeep Parade in West Baton Rouge. Come for the parade, stay for all the lights and fun. Visit westbatonrouge.net today and join in the fun for the Jingle Jeep Parade. Feeling stuck when it comes to writing? Jasper is an AI writing assistant that helps you break through writer's block, create blogs, social content, add variations, really anything you can imagine, much faster than you would on your own. With Jasper's text-to-image generator, you can even create original art. Convey your best ideas better and faster with Jasper. No more blank pages or unfinished pieces. Try Jasper for free at jasper.ai today. And I said, I had this dream. I was being beaten up really bad by my neighbor. And I got a ton of details. And um, she said, okay, go try to go to bed and write it down as best as you can. Now, I could have sworn I was 13. My sister said I was younger. Whatever. Um, I have a twin, and she always tries to correct me. You know how our siblings are. Um, She said I was in third grade. So that's about age nine. And the morning came. And the the hostess got a phone call because she was also a psychic. And she said, I just got a call from a cop. He's on his way over. There's a little missing kid in the area. And I said, okay. And he came over and we sat down and had coffee. And he said, okay, so you had a dream. You were a missing little boy. And give me some details. Um, so I said, I feel like it was beaten with this this this." I was beaten by another boy, but the other boy was a man. And I said, I want to say the person who beat him was an autistic person, the strength of a man, the body of a man, but the age of a seven-year-old, if that makes sense. And I said, you know, back then they, 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 I don't know if they used autistic very often, but mentally handicapped. So he he had a body of a 21-year-old, and I said, but he's seven. So a lot of confusion on that one. And um, 
I said, but he started picking up things and hitting me with them <clears throat> in the drink. So I took the position of the victim, which I don't recommend doing that at all. I don't recommend saying, what did the, the, the victim feel? Um, do, do I tell people, use this method. Show me, show me, show me what did the victim uh, feel or say, that kind of thing. But that's not really important when you do a crime case. What's more important is if you sense something on your human body, like a beating, then you say, oh, it's a beating. Then move on and talk about where the victim is. <clears throat> and that that's what I did with that particular case. And they never did find her, his body, but I did work with the police on that one. And it was very eye-opening um, because uh, what was interesting was I gave details like um, uh, he was one of four, uh, five siblings um, and the kid that beat him up lived on the other side of the apple orchard and the kid that was missing also lived in a trailer. And we were also going to go to one particular house and I drew a picture of the house and the cop freaked out when I, he saw the picture. He goes, where did you get that? I said, I, I drew a picture where we're going. And he goes, no, this house, where did you get that picture? I said, I, I drew it. And he, he got a little upset and he goes, okay, fine. So we, had our little chat and I guess it was about an hour and the cop goes we're gonna I gotta run by my house and what was interesting is I drew a house that was square with a, a certain kind of roof hip roof do you know what a hip roof is it's yeah. more of a square roof and I said the house is stone and I said what's weird is there's a, a u-shaped driveway and there's a water fountain in the center of the driveway that doesn't work and it's partially broken and there's something there tilted on the side. And I had no idea, but when the cop said, I've got to stop by my house, that, that drawing I drew was the exact house we went to. He had the uh, stone house. He had the hip roof. He had the U-shaped driveway. He had... Um, a water fountain that was broken with the top sitting sideways. I, I, now I know what, you know, of course, after you get there, you realize why he's freaking out. So these are the things you learn when you do uh, crime cases or buried treasure huntings. Sometimes it's, it's right in front of your face and you say to yourself, okay, then there wasn't a reason for that. But I tell people, give all the details, the sensing of the beating, just say the word, the beating. Um, I don't I don't think it's for example some homicide cases are chopped up bodies which is disgusting but it is what it is and you say okay I see a knife or a butcher knife or something like that um, so it's either a, a stabbing or somebody's mutilating somebody so it's better to just say they're doing this because you don't need to sense oh there is so much trauma they're crying okay stop okay, you don't need to ad lib. You don't need to get into the drama of it. It's more the black and white. What are the facts? And I hope that helps your listeners because don't go into all the drama. Go into the facts. I think this is great. Jeanette Lucas is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio talking working true crime cases as a psychic intuitive. And I, I got to ask you, you know, with so many people who go missing, your your phone must be ringing off the hook. Your email must be loaded. Have you ever looked into, like, do you, how do you choose your cases? Uh, some of them I can, if I get a black picture in my head, it means stop, don't do the case. Um, if I get a green light in my head, it means go ahead and do the case. Um, and then sometimes I 
get a really bad pit in my stomach. And that means the family is going to be very traumatized and take their anxiety out of me. I mean, some people have written up some nasty stuff about me on the internet and I actually give 200%. So if I get the pit in my stomach, it means the family is going to probably say some nasty crap after the fact, um, which just happened to me recently. Um, uh, do you want to get, do we have time for another yeah, we, example? We, we got five minutes, so we got lots of time. Okay. All right. So this one is easy. So, girl goes to a river and she was going to walk her dog and she goes missing and they find her clothes folded up on the side of the river. Okay. Typically that is not a good sign. <laughs> and so I told the mom, I said, I see her down river, but like way down river and they took dogs out and they couldn't find her. Um, but her dog was found um, down river. And I said, you know, I was using dowsing on that one and a GPS. And I said, she's way down, like right close to the, very close to the, um, the. I think it was, uh, was it like South Dakota or something? I said, next to the another state line. And she goes, no, it can't be. And that's what happens. Parents are too traumatized. They don't want to hear it. So um, I said, I, I got to tell you, she feels like she's in the river I feel like she was murdered and I feel like she gets stuck under a boat or, you know, people get picky. So you have to say canoe, boat, um, motorboat, and she's stuck under there. So it's going to take you a long time to find her. And um, so I said, I think I said spring, but I might have said April, May, June, whatever. I, I thought it was April or May, something like that. I brought in another psychic friend of mine. Um, Angela Ford to work on the case too because I wanted a backup and she said the same thing well I said the problem with the river if I tell you where she is now if you don't take out dog search then you're not going to find her at that moment um, a week later or two weeks later she'll be somewhere else so it's really critical on river work I mean I found it quite a few bodies in the river um, so I had a lot of experience in that kind of thing. On that case, I took it. They did pay me. And then after the fact, she started writing her sister nasty notes and accidentally CC'd me. Um, you know, it's, it's true crime is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Treasure hunting is the feel good. <laughs> it really is. You go out, you find something, and you're like, yeah. Oh, and, I, I and, can imagine. You know, I, I can imagine. You know, it's a lot happier. A lot happier. <laughs> Now, do you only work cases of deceased people or missing people as well? <clears throat> Everything. Okay. So, you oh. know, like, for instance, I don't know if you follow David Politis <clears throat> and the missing 411 phenomena that he is working on. Have you ever checked into any of those cases? No, but it is certainly fascinating. Um, if I did that work... Like if, if somebody said, hey, can you help us? There's two things I would love to do. That would be one I would love to do um, is to track the guy going in. Let's say it's a cave missing person. So they go into the cave and they're gone and they're with buddies and the buddies were five feet away. They turn around and he's gone. Okay, so then you track him and say, okay, so where's the azimuth he's going to? How long is he going to be gone? And then where is he? Because apparently I just read up on him today and it could be that he is instantly picked up by whatever dimension and then gone to like an open door or something, a portal. 
and and three miles down the road. So you had you could actually douse out. Is he going to be gone one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours? And then, so you say, okay, he's going to be gone for four hours. So in four hours, show me the azimuth he went in, show me the GPS where he's going to be, and then you might be able to find him. But there's so many of them missing that, I mean, what, a couple of thou? Is that correct? Oh, there's all, I mean, there are hundreds of people, if not thousands, right. that, that have got yeah. uh, taken, and you know uh-huh. the big mystery is where where are they going? Is it is it portals? Is it is it aliens? Dimensions. Uh-huh. Is it dimensions? Is it is it Bigfoot or Sasquatch or or whatever it may be? I mean, this is the great debate that uh, everyone is having. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Well, you know, again, if you used your combo of your talents along with dowsing, you can actually track the person. So let's say you put on your list, I call it the, you can call it your gumbo list. Let's say you're making a, a bowl of soup and you put the chicken in there and the, the corn and the, the beans. You have to ask all these questions. What's going in the gumbo soup? So you throw in there on a list. Is it the aliens that took them? No. And then you would, you would douse this and you say, is it a portal? No. Is it a dimension? Yes. Okay, so if it's a dimension, when's he coming back? I mean, they just had something about Alaska where a little girl came out of a dimension for a few minutes, and she was the same exact age of seven when she went missing, and then she ran back into the portal. Oh, my goodness. Let's carry that over when we return, Jeanette, on Space Uh Out Radio. Jeanette Uh Lucas, Psychic Medium. Uh True Crime and treasure hunting. We're going to get into more treasure hunting in hour number two with Jeanette. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. We're just warming up. (laughs) All right, we are clear. And uh, usually we take a little bit of a break here. And Dirty Filth comes on in. And breaks down his cartoon for us. So, Jeanette, we got about five and a half minutes, okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, if you've got, can you hear me? Yes. Is that He's a yes? He's probably going to let the dogs out. He's gonna... <laughs> I'm going to go real my dogs, dogs right? I'll be right back. Fine, that's fine. It's actually, it's actually Dogman. He's he doesn't want to tell anybody he owns Dogman. Do what? <laughs> What'd you say? He he owns dogmen, like the cryptids. He's got two of them in his backyard. He's at, he's going out to feed them. <laughs> I, I think they're they're dogs. Give me a break. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I thought they're supposed to only be in New York or New Jersey or something. I have no idea. You know, they're just creepy. Those cryptids are just freaking creepy. You know, I never want to see one. Because I, I probably either. won't have a tennis ball or steak handy. Well, you know, oh, that's a good idea. Well, you know, too, is um, there was a guy out in the field one day, and um, he was going to shoot the cryptid with a, you know, bear bear spray. I I would be all over that shit. I would, <laughs> I would just be like, uh, yeah, dude, um, don't get near me. But the question is, would it work? You know what I mean? I mean... You don't know till you try. And let's see, it's him or you. What are you going to do? You spray it. I, I'd 
probably soil my pants, then spray them. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, and you shouldn't do that because now he's going to follow you home because he might like that. He might like that, that personal spray, you know? (laughs) Oh boy. I I, I just stay in my house, draw cartoons. Safer here mostly, except for my cats going to trip me up down the stairs or something. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, you're in Canada also, or where are you located? Yeah, I'm in I'm in Canada. I live a province over from Dave in Alberta. <clears throat> okay. He's Very probably cold. got slightly more snow than me. He does. Okay. Yeah, he's what closer to Alaska is you know like you know I'm just yeah being he's Dave. up in the yeah he's up in the middle of British Columbia. Yeah, cold. Okay. Yeah, on top no. of a mountain too, for good measure. Like like who does that? What is, what is he like being hidden? <laughs> Maybe he's just kind of a hermit, I guess. I don't know. Some of us don't get a choice where we're born, so we just grow up in a place where, you know, for seven months of the year, it's frozen. But at least you can dress for it. When it's really hot, you can't peel your flesh off. No, but, you know, you could fan yourself. <laughs> That's I get hot. I get hot a lot. I'm like, <clears throat> I had cancer, and after cancer, I got hot. So I wear flip flops in the winter. <laughs> my girl, my girlfriend had cancer too, and she does the same exact thing. <clears throat> it's pathetic. <laughs> and people are That's looking what... at me like, "What are you? What are you doing with flip flops on?" I was like, "I'm, I'm hot." I went to so... Costa Rica once, and that was way too hot for me. I was pretty much melting the entire time. <clears throat> I hear you. I have clients in Costa Rica. Yeah, that place is hot. Beautiful country, hot. though. <clears throat> yeah, just don't go hiking alone. Go with a group and guns. <laughs> you know, they got a lot of hikers that disappear there. I'm not too familiar with any strangeness there. You know, I won the trip off a radio show, actually. It was kind of interesting. I never, never had any inclination to go there, and I won a trip on the radio, and I went with my with my mom and my dad didn't have anybody to go with at the time yeah yeah well i mean did you get to go to a nice hotel and go oh, swimming definitely. and yeah i mean you you know get it get it a... zip lining that was terrifying oh my god yep we had one in the backyard when i was a kid so my, my father was very intent on teaching us everything <clears throat> marine attitude you can do you can do it dad i'm nine <laughs> <laughs> just get in the zip line. <laughs> what was that? Just get in the zip line. I'm scared. You'll get over it. Yeah, yeah. Go. Shut up and go. He had a. Um, he was so weird. He had an obstacle course when we were kids, and he had a, a rope. You know how you see the Marines climbing up a rope when when they're yeah. in training. Yeah, we had one of those ropes, and he would make us climb that sucker. <clears throat> he goes, "It's good to be in shape, Dad. I'm nine. <laughs> what the hell?" <laughs> You're nine years old and you're not raging with muscles? No, I'm nine. <laughs> Just want to ride my bike. <laughs> there you go. You you ride your bike all the time. Stop it. You need to make muscles. I was like, you know, you know, when I got to be 14, I read up on um, muscles and it says, don't don't work out until you're 14 with, with weights and stuff like that so you don't damage your muscles. I mean, can, hearsay is I could go back to being nine and say, Dad, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> Well, I, I hear you, know. you there. Hear you there. All right, we got just under a minute to go here. Say, 
I want to say thank you to Stephen and, and Worsley for the super chats tonight. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you so much. Also, reminder to you that you can get your SOR swag at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, hey, Clam, in the chat room. Uh, Ross hey, Clamster. Uh, welcome. And who else has shown up a little late here? Studio 42. Good to see you. And let's see here. I think we are caught up. Jessica S., good to see you. And uh, <coughs> Rain. Is, uh, Kelly, is there a Kelly Schultz there? I haven't seen Kelly Schultz, no. All right. Okay. Earlier. Uh, here we yeah. go. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go, hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Naufragus. Naufragus is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on talking true crime and treasure hunting tonight with our good friend Jeanette Lucas, who is here hanging on out, telling us how she is able to find everything from criminals to missing people to gold hiding in the yonder. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, topic we have tonight. We're so glad Jeanette is with us for another hour. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeanette. Thank you for having me. Oh, Kelly Schultz let's, is in the chat room, so we will let Oh, yeah, know. let's give her, yeah, give her a shout out. Hey, Dr. Schultz. Yes, hi, Kelly Schultz. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on in. And uh, <clears throat> uh, she would like you to expand on the seven-year-old and portal story that you were talking about right before the break, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Sure. So apparently uh, there's some kind of portal or missing people in Alaska in a certain, I guess they have a triangle just like they do in, in the South Seas, um, the Bermuda Triangle. It's the Alaskan Triangle. And a woman um, was in the woods hunting, you know, hunting um, and hiking. And so she had a couple of items with her. And when she was there, I guess somehow the story goes that, <clears throat> the little kid walked out of the woods um, in uh, like a dress and she was seven, <clears throat> a little blonde girl. And um, But what was interesting was the woman saw some aliens and I don't want to say, I mean, they were like odd, not, not grays or anything like that, something odd. And they were with her and um, she said, tell my mommy and daddy, I said, hi. Now, um, 
the woman said, okay. And she goes, I'm going to go back home with them. So instead of coming with the woman, she ran back with whoever she was with in, in the, the dimension or portal. Um, that was on uh, either the travel channel or discovery. Um, but it was one of those Alaskan, you know, labeled Alaskan triangle. Yes. And the woman went, the woman went home and did research. She Googled, you know, seven year old missing Are you a Jeep owner or do you want to come watch a Jeep parade? Either way, West Baton Rouge has you covered. Friday, December 2nd, it's the Jingle Jeep Parade. Fun for all ages. Deadline to register is November 30th. For details or to register, visit westbatonrouge.net. Don't miss the Jingle Jeep Parade in West Baton Rouge. Come for the parade, stay for all the lights and fun. Visit westbatonrouge.net today and join in the fun for the Jingle Jeep Parade. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com today. It was like a 20-year-old case. Oh, my. 20 years. So it wasn't a recent one. I mean, so in other words, the kid disappeared. Got to be a portal. Got to be a dimension. And uh, that that really surprised me. But I'm sure somehow we could try to figure that out. I mean, I I responded to somebody who wanted to find Bigfoot. And I was like, well, if you're going to find Bigfoot, why can't you track him where he goes and eats all the time or where he goes I don't mean to be crude, where he bathes, you know, where he poops, because I bet he poops and bathes in the same area. Um, You know, like if it's too cold, of course, he's not going to go bathing, but they go swimming in the lake, right? People say all the time, oh, yeah, there's a Bigfoot in the water right there. So why not track them? Same thing. I, I mean, you could figure out their den, right? I'm trying. I'm trying. You're trying? I've got I an, think I think it could work. I've got an area. I've got an area. Okay. We just saw a, a few weeks ago, we just saw a 10, <clears throat> a 10 to 12 footer hanging out watching us. Isn't that short? That's a short one, isn't it? Or just uh, a it, It's a bigger it, it's a bigger one. Uh the more north okay. the more north you go, the bigger they get. Well, I thought they were eight, you know, they could be even taller, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So why can't you douse out the GPS of their nest, their swimming hole, their feeding hole? I'm sure, th- I mean, they're, they're, everything has a pattern. They got to have a pattern. Why can't you do the same thing with, with the Bigfoots and the dimensions? We're trying. It's, trying. A, it's an idea. That's a very yeah. good idea. It's a solid idea. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because what what if you find, you know, oh, where do the kids go and eat all the time? Meaning the Bigfoot kids. <laughs> where You know, they because they eat berries. You know, I've seen shows where the American Indians said, oh, they're all, they go over to our berry patch. Well, okay. Well, then you put, you know, cameras up all the time and you, you say, okay, where did they go from? You backtrack. Where did they, they left the berry track, where, the, the berry field. Where, where are they going to go to next? Their nest. Or they're going to go swimming, or they're going to go see mommy and breastfeed. It's it's you just track them. <clears throat> it should work. 
Something to definitely try. That That is for sure. That is completely mm-hmm. for sure. You know, in regards to, uh, you know, finding these strange cases, do you like strange cases like this seven-year-old girl in the portal? <clears throat> I I think it's... um. It's so unique. It's it's never been resolved. I, I I certainly think that it would be worth a shot. You know, I mean, you hear about the feds doing stuff, but they take their their methodology and they don't apply it outside. I, I'm an outside the box type of person, and even though I'm black and white on <clears throat> data, I I just think they people need to think outside the box, and they're not doing it. I mean, that, that that one, the portal, the dimension thing, that is way outside the box. Well, I, well yeah. let's shift over to to the treasure hunting. This is <clears throat> this, this is one of your loves that you have for, uh, uh-huh. you, you know, kind of getting into the field and, and using your talents <clears throat> for such a thing. You know, when... When you are treasure hunting, what, how do you pick your your cases? How do how do you figure out what what you want to do? <clears throat> well, um, all right. So, uh, I I again I call it cheating, where um, I will have a dream about a case coming to me, and I'm told to do it or not to do it. Um, and for example, I had a dream one night about a town in Utah that had some treasure from, uh, Jesse James or from Butch Cassidy. So I've had my clients up there and not a single one has gone over to the area where I want to go and look and search for some treasure. Cause again, today we have the metal detectors to solve all the problems, but, um, on that particular one. I used a dream state and I'm a huge believer in the dream work. And sometimes they give me a street and then they give me all the landmarks around where the item is located. Um, On um, other cases, people call me and if they're super nice to me, I said, send me your package. Let me take a look. Um, Sometimes if they're real nice to me, I'll say, just send me a hundred bucks. Let me take a look. Um, sometimes if it's like a really big job, I said, just send me 250 bucks and let me take a look and see if it's worth moving forward. Um, I had a woman out of Mississippi, for example, and she sent me 250 bucks, really nice. And I, she had 300 acres and I said, okay, uh, you paid me 250. I think it's a worth, I I don't think it's worth, I don't think you have anything. I think you have graves on your property. And I think the graves have stuff from the 17th century, you know, those pirates. I said, but you can't dig that up. I mean, they got gold coins on on their bodies and stuff. You can't touch that stuff. Not a good idea. And um, she said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. What what do you want to do? And she said, well, I'm going to sell it. I said, okay, but just tell them there are graves on the property. You don't know where. And um, forget it. Just sell it. Make a bunch of money. I mean, $250, $500, that's not a lot of money to figure out whether it's worth it. You've got something or not. I had a, if they're nice, I I, I keep a very low, low fee. If they're not nice, you know, it could be (laughs) $5,000. That means, Hey, why not? You know, why not? Well, think, well, think about it. They're going to give you a lot of crap. You know, you might as well get paid for it. Right. True. (laughs) Question coming in here for you from the Doug Shelby. 
He is asking, Jeanette, have you had any experience with your abilities when it comes to things like the lottery or horse racing? Yes. Yes, I do horse racing. Yes. But I got to tell you, I haven't conquered the horse racing yet. So I won't do it for anybody because my husband and I, I win every once in a while. It's not, it's not enough. Um, On the lottery, here's the good news. I picked the numbers. I had dreams and I picked the numbers and I went to play it. The next day I would have won $44 million. You know where I screwed up? I left the 7-Eleven, the store, you know, one of those little stores, and I did not check the numbers. And instead of putting my 16 on the ticket because they punch it in for you, um, he put 17. So he screwed me because he put in the wrong number. The next day I would have won $44 million. Um, So lottery is a little tough. I'm still working on it. I do win money periodically, um, but... I'm one of those where I don't want to sell my services for that unless I know what the hell I'm doing. And that's one of them that I'm not, it's 50, 50. It's so it's a challenge. Sometimes they charge like a hundred bucks. You want me to do the lottery? I charge a hundred bucks plus commission. And um, it's really hard. Um, Some of them, you know, if God wants you to win, you get a win. I mean, I've had clients come in and I've actually given them the winning lottery numbers and they called me and said, I want a bunch of money. I had a client who called me and said, I just won eight grand and I mailed you a thousand dollars. And he did. He mailed me a thousand dollars. And uh <laughs> he was all happy. He went out and um painted his boat, I guess. He said, I, I painted my boat. Don't tell my wife. I said, Okay. So um I've had some good news on the lottery. I mean, another client won like twenty grand. Um, so you spent a couple hundred, one to two hundred, you know, that's that's worth the money. But it's it's a fifty fifty shot. You know, I don't like complaining clients. No, no. And there is a reality to it, too. You know, uh, numbers can tend to scramble themselves. Do you find that happens with a lot of numbers? I do. Um, I find that, for example, I just did the the last lottery for fun. And I found that what was really interesting is I was one off. So let's say it was like 37. I put on 38. And another one, 54, I put on 55. Really pissed me off. <laughs> but again, you have a 50-50 shot. So I tell people, it's not refundable. You're paying for my time. You know? So so sometimes what I do, I have a girl in D.C. She and I went frequently. And I, I said, um, <clears throat> let's do this. Let's do two or three tickets where if I get 16, we'll do 15. And then we'll also do 17. And then sometimes we win that way, you know? My, 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 the the problem with the lottery is you got to be real careful with family and the horses. I went out with my brother and won a bunch of money. And, um, guess who wanted the money? <laughs> my brother. Hey, can I have that money? It's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to keep 40 bucks. You have the rest, you know? So you always have to be careful who you go, hunt, you know, hunting with or treasure hunting with, or, you know, lottery work with, because people have their hand out. It's very frustrating for me. <laughs> I, I I can see that. I can see where that uh-huh. would be because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't at that point. No, no. I, I won $2,500 one, one time and came home and paid my painter a $500 gift of... All right. 
Uh, we lost you there, Jeanette. We lost you there. I'm wondering, I hope you're, oh, there you are. I'm sorry. We screwed up there. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so I won $2,500. So because I talked to her dead relative who gave me the horse numbers, I gave her 500 bucks. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done that before. Sometimes I can talk to dead people and they give me information and, uh, you know, I mean, if you, you get a $500 win, I mean, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> Put it in the bank or go have a great dinner. Steak, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, very much now, so. You, maybe you lobster. You're, are, are, are you new lobster? I love my lobster. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I love there my you lobster. You know, that's <clears throat> nice steak and lobster. I'm, I'm good with that. Very good with that. I, I want to ask you about big treasures because all around North America, there are <laughs> treasures to be found, whether it's from the old Gold Rush Trail or whether it's, uh, you know, around Oak Island, you know, for up until about a year and a bit ago, Forrest Fenn had a 10-year treasure hunt going on for people to try and find the clues to where he hid it. And it was finally found just literally weeks before his passing. I mean, what kind of, what kind of treasure hunting do you like to do? I wasn't really turned on to Forrest Finn. Um, What, what happened during the Forrest Finn time, people called me, lots of people called me. So what I did was I said, you have a 50, 50 shot. I'll charge a hundred bucks because either you're meant to find it or you're not meant to find it. <clears throat> so what I did was I said I pinpointed something and people found some of the people found some stuff but not Forrest Finn stuff and um, I said but what was interesting during the time and I'm going to give you an explanation that's really interesting is I had a dream where some treasure was that was not Forrest Finn it was cowboy stuff and I was told what town what location what to look for and I've, I've done that before. One time I was trying to find a plane crash and I found six plane crashes, but not the one I was looking for. So the paranormal is pretty weird. And it's very frustrating. I don't think a lot of people really get that spirit takes you in directions <clears throat> that, you know, you could be wanting subject A, but they're going to give you B, C, D, and E instead. Right. I mean, when I had my near death, I was told, you you don't have a choice. If, for example, when the Casey Anthony case fell on my lap, it fell on my lap. I was on the money. It was I was correct. I, I wasn't given a lot of credibility for it. I mean, people did say, yes, she did it. Um, and Nancy Grace was very nice about it. Uh, Dr. Dr. Drew heard I interviewed with Dr. Drew and we talked about it. Um, but I, I finally got fed up with it. I was like, I just finally called the press and said, she's over here. Why don't you go over there and go get her? Stop this madness. This is ridiculous. Um, there are other cases that need some direct attention. Um, I, I, I just think that people can be, uh, drawn up in their own little world of whatever they're working on whether it's treasure or a lottery or horses i'm not gonna fib i love the horses but it's a 50 50 shot you know no i i, I understand that you know but 
you know, like up here in British Columbia, uh, we have mm-hmm. uh, near Vancouver an area where you know there's a alleged treasure being looked for to this day called <coughs> called Slumax Gold, and mm, you know, okay, and people to this day, much like Forrest Fenn, <coughs> you know, they've gone looking for this. They've, you know, people have died looking for it. People have have <coughs> you know put their their lives on the line and and nobody can seem to find it. The only reason why I'm asking that is, you know, how much does if you're looking for treasure and you have someone who's like I'm going to find Forrest Fenn's treasure or <coughs> Slumax gold or or you know the treasure of Oak Island which many of the locals there don't even believe still exists but they're enjoying the television show. You know, how how much do you look at it as, you know, where, or let me rephrase that. Where does greed come into play regarding whether or not you're going to find, find this? Uh, It's bad. It's, it's, it's very bad. I mean, I, I, I can do the lottery and somebody goes, okay, because I charge a commission. I'll say, okay, I want 20% of whatever you uh, find. And, you know, They've never paid me my 20%. Um, on the treasure for the Al Capone treasure, for example, um, there were 60 bars of silver. <clears throat> they weighed about eight pounds each. And I think it was an inside job. And Frank Nitty hid it. And um, I found it um, my for the guy. Uh, great story. Um, but he never paid me my 20%. And so when he called back for the next job, I said no. He asked me to hunt it down. I did a missing ship and they found over, I think it was over a billion dollars and that ship and its content, some of the contents is in Vegas now. And people don't know that I'm the one who actually pinpointed by GPS where that ship was located. And did they pay me? No. Did they give me my commission? No. So I'm very cautious now of people and I try to do everything in writing and no, you and, and let's say you go out with your brother, your brother could kill you and me and take the goods and be happily ever after, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> so you got to be careful. Now, I will tell you one thing, just with my opinion and my experience on the on the thing you're talking about, this this guy's gold. Do they know for a fact that gold exists? That's the question. Right. Well, you know, it, what's funny about it is my former dean of broadcasting, uh, where I went uh-huh. to college, he's actually written a book on this treasure. He believes it's still out there. He believes it still exists. Uh, and uh, we've had him on the show a couple of years ago talking about the Slumax gold and, and what goes along with it. And it's been uh, absolutely incredible, you know, that there are. And now, right now, up here in Canada, there's a television show on it as well where they are where they are looking for it. And, you know, it, but these stories are all, all across North America. I mean, there's hidden treasures from corner to corner to, uh, on on this continent. I mean, somewhere, somehow. Okay, but let me. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I, I could probably find it. Here's the thing: Does it exist? And and here's the thing: Is I have what I call the cheat sheet. Is it gold? Gold bars? Gold coins? Uh, nuggets? What what it? What exactly is it? Is it powder? I mean, gold powder? <clears throat> Do you know that? I don't know. That okay. I don't know. There you go. 
so when I go hunting for something, I write down my wish list. I said, I'm looking for this and this and this and this. Do you know the quantity? No, I, I do not. Okay. So let's say they say there's like a ton of gold and some is some is powder, some is, you know, because I was just learning about powder today and um, it could be coinage and so forth. So I have to put all that on the list because as a dowser, you, you, it's like, it's like eating an omelet, you know, what's in the omelet, the ham, the bacon, the green pepper, the cheese, and all these things, you're hunting for the same thing, but you want the final point. And that's what I do. I tell people, oh my God, that's so stupid. Let's track where he went and if he goes back and forth and back and forth and looks at it, if we know it's a real deal, like we did know on the Capone job, that's the reason that he, the guy that I interviewed with when I did the Capone job, <clears throat> I did get paid on that one. But what happened was, uh, I said, it's it's the real deal. It was, it was right. a robbery. Right. Janine, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We're going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Jeanette Lucas is our guest. Continue talking treasure hunting. Take some of your questions here in the chat room as well. Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, continues right after this. All right, we are clear. How's your throat? How's your throat, my dear? Oh, it's just like well, almost two in the morning here, so it's fine. I see a lot of people don't know, but I, when I sleep, I also work. And um, I had a, a dream about your show before I came on, so I was real careful about what I said because it's critical. <laughs> well, so, if there's anything so, you you want to tell us about the show, let us know. <clears throat> No, no, it was what just uh, uh, the dream gave me information about the show, what to say and what not to say. Right. So I did it. Excellent. You know, so. Excellent. <clears throat> but I'm not going to I'm not going to fib. I'm a little tired from from last night working on your show. And so if I sound like I don't make sense, I hope to God I make sense. <clears throat> but I bet I could find that uh, treasure. That's not that hard. If it's gold, um, gold is a lot easier to find. I have a higher ratio to find gold uh, than dollar bills and stuff like that. Um, I have a guy right now. He's hidden like accidentally hidden like a thousand dollars in his house. I'm sorry, hundred thousand dollars in his house. And he's a couple hours away and I have to go up there and help him out. Um, but on it, when it comes to a treasure case, I don't have to go there. Um, my new England case where I found two Roman ships, um, they, they paid me to go there and do everything. And um, we found more pieces from the Roman ship from 350 AD. And that was pretty cool. But on gold, gold is easy. I don't know why, but gold is easy. Um, It's electric, you know. Um, Dollar bills, it's just made out of wood. You know, it's paper, wood. It's it's harder. So, But I find that too. Are you a Jeep owner, or do you want to come watch a Jeep parade? Either way, West Baton Rouge has you covered. Friday, December 2nd, it's the Jingle Jeep Parade. Fun for all ages. Deadline to register is November 30th. For details or to register, visit westbatonrouge.net. Don't miss the Jingle Jeep Parade in West Baton Rouge. Come for the parade, stay for all the lights and fun. Visit westbatonrouge.net today and join in the fun for the Jingle Jeep Parade. 
Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. Yeah, does that make sense? It's, it's a, I mean, metal is a, a, it's a, it's it's electric. It's it's where human bodies are electric with water. Um, same thing with gold. It it it's <clears throat> it's a metal. I don't want to say the word porous, but it's easier to find than than the dollar bills. So I th- I think your case would not be that tough to find. Silver as well. Yeah, I can find silver. The 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 gold the silver bars and. In Illinois, were they were all silver? Yep. The guy I just worked for recently had um, like twenty cougar rands. That was gold. Then he had silver, silver coins, uh, gold, uh, little gold bars. Bars come in different shapes and sizes. So you know, depending on who imprinted them and so forth, it's it's certainly fascinating. Years ago, in the seventeen hundreds, the pirates had gold that were the shape of a cigar was that's how it was you know poured really weird so this guy with the gold you don't know was he the was he uh did he have a mine m-i-n-e no he apparently was uh just a a a real (coughs) non-trustworthy guy and hid a bunch of gold up in the uh, Cascade Mountains behind Maple Ridge, uh, British Columbia, which is about uh-huh. 45 minutes east of Vancouver. Uh-huh. Okay. See, see, if you give me those kind of details, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I can find it. You know, a lot of people, like on the missing kids stuff, they don't, I mean, oh, she's missing from Orlando. What yeah. the hell? So the landmark is the person's house. That's, you got to start somewhere. That's point A. I mean, if you got a point A, if you got a point A, where did the man live? Do do, do people know where the guy lived? I don't know that much about him, except for, <clears throat> the, except for the legend, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to have a point A. You got to start somewhere. I mean, he he must have lived in a town. So if you say, "Oh, he lived in this town," okay. If you hide gold, you're going to go back and forth and back and forth, and you track them back and forth and back and forth. Then you find stuff. Then you're like, oh, he keeps going to point B. He won't stop going to point B. Point B. Point B. Oh. He's going. He's oh. going. He's going to point point C. Hold on, my audio just crapped out on me here. One second. There. Sorry, my audio. What? My audio crapped out on me there <clears throat> for, for a quick second. So. Um, okay. Had to just reboot it there. Uh, let's see here. We got about uh, 35 seconds. Want to say thank you to Worsley and Stephen for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support that you guys are giving SOR. And, of course, if you haven't already checked in, we are having our second annual Las Vegas fan party May 19th through 21st. 
at the Golden Nugget Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. We want to see all of our fans there. It's going to be a great time. And uh, you, you can go on our website, get a little bit more information. We're going to have more information coming for you guys very, very soon. Here we go, everyone. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Reminder to all of you that all of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Jeanette Lucas is with us. We're talking treasure hunting right now because that's what she loves to do in her spare time. Uh, Jeanette, during the break, you and I were talking, and you actually helped find an ancient ship that had treasure on it going back to, I believe, 350 A.D. Tell us this story. <clears throat> All right, so um guy calls out of the blue. Uh, hey, I read an article about you, and um, I think that, that was Psychology Today. And I said, okay, about the Al Capone uh, find. And he goes, I got some work up here, and I, I think we got something. So he gave me the area. So in other words, I'll have... Uh, uh, the name of a town. And he goes, I think there's something in this area. He goes, I found a coin. I said, okay, what year are we looking at? And he goes, well, it, the coin is from blah, 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 uh, 350 AD. I said, okay. So I put it down on my cheat sheet and I said, let me see if there's anything else here. So I, I go to the Google earth and I uh, print out the map. You always have to print out the map and I touch it. A lot of people are, are ridiculous when they don't have their own protocol. I have a very big protocol. And I touch it with my fingers. And if my fingers react, um, sometimes they'll actually feel like I'm being poked with a pin. And um, when I get to a certain area where the gold or the artifact is, and um, I pinpointed three or four sites, and he's found a bunch of things that belong to the ship. And then we were working on the ship job. He actually flew me to New England. And I said, oh, my God. And he goes, what? And I said, uh, let's pull that picture up of Google Earth. And I said, you got, you got ships here. I just know it. And because the reaction on the dowsing was just too, it, it would react all over the place. So let's say you're going for a gold find. It typically stays in one general area. When you're doing multiple things, and if it's a ship or a shipwreck, <clears throat> um, it, it, it the dowsing gives you a different reaction so um we blew up the picture and we found two boats we believe are related to the 350 ad um items 
So what he did do was he went to a friend of his that was an admiral, retired, and said, this is what Jeanette found. What do you think? And he goes, oh, my God, you found two Roman ships from 350 AD. They matched the coin. And then we found the items that matched that. Now, the other boat I was talking about where I found a boat was in, I guess it was in the Pacific. Um, that was years ago. That was like 20 years ago. And um, the man found, I think, a billion dollars in um, coinage. So I think the ship from it was from the 1700s. The ship was actually, they created a museum in Vegas about it. And I read all about it. And I said, that's the ship I found. And I met the, the guy that I worked for uh, at a convention uh, two years later. And I said, you know, wasn't that my ship? And he said, you know what? You pinpointed it GPS wise and the anchor fell right there on the ship exactly where you said it was. And I said, okay, so you're going to pay me my commission and everything? Oh, well, the money's all gone. And this is the part of greed. You know, you have to be very careful with people. Hopefully they'll come through for you. You got a 50-50 shot. But no, that's why I charge money up front now. You know, I, I charge for uh, a fee for this and a fee for that and so forth. And if I have to travel somewhere, I charge for that. So, yeah, but you got to be careful with people. But so, yes, I've I found all sorts of goodies. <laughs> it's fun. What happens to you when you feel like you're getting close to something? Um, well, uh, if I'm touching, the, what I do is I always touch the map first. So I do the map dowsing and the psychic dows, psychic mental remote viewing first. And I put my hand over the map first and I actually get pinpricks or burns on my finger. And when I go to the area where the item is, if my air, my finger burns or gets a pinprick, I go, it's right there. And they go, you sure? And I said, yeah, it's right there. And that's where the guy f started finding parts from the 350 AD ship. And um, on the Capone treasure, it burnt me so bad, I thought uh, maybe somebody had been smoking in the group. I had a bunch of people in the room watching me. And I thought maybe somebody had flicked, you know, their cigarette and I got burned from it. But it, it turns out it was in my finger and it kept burning the closer I got to the uh, 60 bars. But again, this is a talent called synesthesia and a book is being written about it and it's called synesthesia. And it's a, a part of the brain that's turned on and a woman by the name of Maureen Seberg is writing about it and her book comes out in August of next year. And it's all about the senses and how we are considered people that have a superpower. I don't know why, but it's, I don't consider myself with a superpower, but it's a part of the brain that only 4% of the world has. And it works, you know. Um, there have been like four Russian women with it, for example, and they did stuff for the psychic college for the Russians. So it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. A question coming in from our good friend Ange in Australia who is asking, have you ever used your gift to find missing people? I do it all the time. I've found over 25. It's too bad it's not more. But, you know, if the cops don't want to work with me, I can't work with them. If the family don't pay me to do the work, I can't work with them. Because <clears throat> I have my own life, you know. 
I tell people, look, I have a life. It's not like I can just volunteer for stuff. I do do some volunteer work, but typically it's in the U.S., not in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I do missing persons regularly. I mean, I have two cases on my plate right now, but uh, it's a little awkward. They're, one is with the police, and the other one, they can't make up their mind what they're going to do. So we'll see. It's easier to work with the police than the family. The family, just they're so traumatized. I, I, I bet. I mean, let's go to missing people for a quick second, kind of take a, a little okay. bit of a backtrack here. You know, are you mainly called in for missing people who are presumed dead or for missing people <clears throat> who are alive and just have vanished? Both. I've never gotten a call regarding the vanishing of, as you mentioned, the 411. That is super interesting. Um, certainly that would be something that would be of interest. But um, but again, I could create a protocol, but I, I don't know how well it's going to work. You know? So, I mean, I love cold cases. One thing nice about cold cases is a lot of people, including the killer, um, think that nothing's going to happen and that the body's never going to be found when, in fact, the body eventually gets found. It is dangerous, though, and a lot of people have uh, been critical of people doing this. I mean, you go back to, you know, Sylvia Brown on the Montel uh, television show claiming that these people, their child was dead and their child was end up, ended up being found alive. But she was, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, so you do have to be quite careful about this. Yeah, and that was something I had a dream about. I remember, if you recall, I mentioned I had a, a dream about the show. Um, it is very uh, rude to tell people, I think your child's dead. Um, what I do is I tell people, I suspect we're looking for remains. That's, that's, that's my outcome. That's what I say. And I'll say, I'm looking for it in the water or I'm looking for it in the woods. Um, for example, a couple of years ago, I had like five calls from dowsers um, and I was correct on all of them. I said, oh, they're all in the water. They're all deceased. And it was just, I said, unfortunately, you know, one, like one guy was drinking and he fell down or twisted his ankle and he drowned. Another one was a mentally ill child and uh, I'm sorry, adult, you know, like 30 years old that was really a five-year-old and he had drowned because he did not swim. Um, it's awkward, you know, so um Missing persons is definitely very complicated. That's why I keep saying, you know, treasure is the fun side of it. Yeah, and I can, uh, I can, I can totally see that and completely understand that. When you work a missing persons case, are you mainly looking into cold cases that are maybe the person's been missing 5, 10, 15, 20 years plus? Or are you looking into something <clears throat> where, where, you know, we went camping this weekend and my my child vanished in the forest and, you know, uh. has been missing for 72 hours, let's say. Uh, okay, so right now the one I have is, is in the Midwest and I can't tell if she's alive or dead. So um, I told that they want me to work with the police on it. And I said, I, I got to tell you, I can't. I can't, when you can't get information, you say, I can't get all the details. 
I said, I don't think it looks good, but I can't tell you whether you're looking for remains or you're looking for uh, a kid. See if it, sometimes it can be moved around. Like if I see it in the trunk of a car, that doesn't mean they're dead. It means they're being hidden and going, you know, sex trafficking. I mean, that one, they believe it's sex trafficking, but don't get influenced when it comes to a missing person case. Cause sometimes it's not, it's not what it, you believe it to be. I mean, everybody was like, Oh, the case is this, the case is that don't go on what everybody else thinks. You have to use your own intuition um, and use the word suspect. Um, I, I prefer the cold cases cause it, you know, it's so long. You're either going to be on the money or you're going to say, well, I feel like it's right here. <clears throat> And this is the area that I would search. And you're looking for a person who is uh, deceased. Um, so if they're deceased, you're looking for a burial or a hidden person, that kind of thing. Uh, again, it's complicated. I, I can see where that would be complicated. <laughs> I mean, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, you know, choose which case you want to work on? <clears throat> uh well, the guy that called me on the Midwest case recently is a friend of the family. And so I know they're going to be nice to me. So, you know, the way they treat me, it's very important. And if they're nice to me, that the fact that I'm not going to get upset means the chances of me solving the case is a big, is, is a big option. Um, on the 411, that's a whole brand new thing. It's a 50-50 shot. If they're nice to me, I would move forward. Um, if it's a cold case, and they're just mean as heck. I've had producers call me and yell and scream at me. You know, I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And I, I said, oh, okay, I'll talk to you next week. Never talk to them again. You know, I just cut people off because, you know, what's the point if they're going to be mean to you? Oh, I, hey, I, you I, know. I, I fully hear that. But do you get a lot of cases where the family or friends, they just want you to get so emotionally involved and feel what they're feeling? And, and you can't do that. Yeah. You, you have to be. Yeah professional at yeah. all points oh yeah yeah so there was a family that called me out of kansas and um they oh my god it was a drug case and the drug cases are the worst and i said listen i they were they wanted me to be pulled in on who killed him and all the drugs and this and that and i said listen you know you don't get involved with going after drug dealers you know it, it's not an option it's not. That's what the cops do. That's why they have the DEA. You know, all you can do, well, the cops aren't doing anything. I said, okay, then look into this direction for this government agency or this one or this one or this one. Um, you know, we have that new DNA out there that is absolutely fantastic. It's not the standard ge DNA genealogy. It's the DNA, I think it's called ED, and there's the new DNA that's D. Um, there was a case in D.C., for example, and they solved the case to who killed the entire family because he had breathed. He was wearing gloves, but he breathed on the, um, I believe he was breathing on the pizza box. Some kind of DNA got on the pizza box and they solved the crime from him breathing on the pizza box. It's over, folks. Whoever those killers are right now out there, they're going to be caught. The DNA stuff is so outrageous. It's fantastic. You know, that, that, I hope that helps, <laughs> but you, it is fantastic. Have you ever been on the search for a killer where <clears throat> where you've seen them and maybe you've had close encounters with them and they don't know that you're searching for them? 
I had that happen to me twice. I mean, do you want me to tell you the two quick oh, stories? I, would, I mean, I would love to. I, I would love to. <clears throat> okay, so um, um, here's a story. I had a dream one night. I was going to meet a serial killer, and I said, "Oh, Jeanette, you're such a you know." I was younger at the time, and I was in my twenties, and I was bar hopping with girlfriends, and I met a guy, and he goes, "Look, I'm, I'd like to take you to dinner." I said, "Okay." Took my number. Everything was cool. He calls me. He goes, look, I, I just want you to come over to my house. I'll cook you dinner. Well, I don't do that. That's not, I tell all women, you're not going to some guy's house and he's cooking you a stupid dinner. And um, so he kept calling me and he was very aggressive and he wasn't yelling at me, but he goes, look, we got to get this done. And I was like, get what done? He goes, I got to get dinner for you. I already bought the groceries. I said, okay, I just told you, I don't go to guys' houses. And um, he had my card. And <laughs> three weeks later, I get a call and I see in the newspaper, some guy got caught killing women. And it was him. He had chopped up his date. He made her dinner and chopped her up. And they found her blood in the, um, the tub. And he admitted to killing like five women. Oh and he my. made it. And it was by dinner, you know. Um, he was cooking him dinner. I was like, yeah, you're, you're he's cooking him dinner. All right. And, <laughs> um, and another time, some other weird circumstance happened to me. I was bar hopping with the girls and met a guy and he asked me to come back to his house. You know, you're young, you do stuff. And, um, I said, yeah, sure. I'll go back to your house. Well, he, when I was, dr I was driving home <clears throat> to his house in my car and he started twisting my wrist a little and he goes, look, you know, we got to go over here and here. And I said, okay. And I said, well, this is your place. He said, yes. And I said, okay, let me drop you off. Where do I park? And I dropped him off and I drove off. And three weeks later, he was arrested for multiple rapes, like, oh like 17. So, you know, when you meet these people and your intuition tells you something's not right, stick to your guns. <clears throat> and there was another two, two more times, you know, that things like that happened. Um, if I really need to tell you, I was in New England. Here's the worst of the worst. This is a true story. I was at a convention, a dowsing convention, <clears throat> and a guy was at the bar. I ran down to the bar to get a cocoa or something and because um, I was going to be lecturing the next day. And this guy's bugging me. Hey, let's go get... Popeye's driver here with the shipment of the seasoning for our new blackened chicken sandwich. Do you copy? Copy that. Do you copy me? Copy that. I got paprika, cumin, and onion. Copy. Copy that. Salt, black pepper, white pepper. Copy that. Red pepper. Copy. Copy that. Almost forgot about garlic. Copy that. Do you think others will copy us? Copy. Copy that. I'm sure they'll try. Introducing the new blackened chicken sandwich. No breading, all flavor. Non-breaded and fried at participating U.S. restaurants. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed Plus Special Financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. High out my car. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, he just made me feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, look, you know, my dad's standing up at the, he's standing up the top of the stairs waiting for me. 
oh, well, we could go out the back way. I said, well, that's really great, but I just told you my dad's waiting for me. Now, I was uh, 30-something, 33, and um, I left, and within six months, he was caught as a serial killer in New England. Yep, and that was was his favorite bar to pick up women. And uh, he didn't have a good pickup line, though. You know, let's go get high. I didn't get high, so it didn't work for me. I mean, you know, he kept wanting to buy me a drink. Well, you know, they have these straws now that you can put your drink, your straw in the drink, and you can tell if your drink is drugged. So, ladies, go buy the straws. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Sure. I mean, you you just need to find a, a cooler uh, brand of friends because you, you, you're dangerous. You're dangerous <clears throat> when that happened three times. Oh. oh, I was young. I was young. You know, so... I'm married, happily married now, and everything's pretty good. So I haven't had any problems ever since. I was I was in my twenties. I didn't get married till much later in life. I was uh, having a good time with the paranormal. Oh, I don't blame you. Hey, we can all yeah, have a good time with the paranormal. That's for sure. That is. Oh my God, it's fascinating, never ending. Well, I do have to ask you here, as time is winding down for us we only got about four minutes what's your favorite paranormal story that you've been uh you know been around or encountered are you talking ghosty or sure whatever Um, it may be oh my god um well i have some weird stuff that happens to me so i'll just tell you this um at my last house i lived there about 16 years and uh dead people cold cases and recent cases um, would come to my back deck and uh, victims of crime would come in the house. If it was children, they would typically come in the house and my daughters would come home and go, who's the guy on the deck? I said, he's just some dead guy. And they knew what I did for a living. And they go, what? And I said, it's some dead guy. Don't worry about it. And they, they saw him. I saw him. Um, Guests would come over and they would see him. And this happened many times. All right. Not just once or twice, many times. And then they would walk down the hall and see a little girl and they go, mom, are you babysitting? I said, no, you know, I don't babysit. Well, who's a little blonde girl running up and down the hallway. I said, it's a dead girl. It's a case from new England. And um, people would see them and then go, what's going on? And then people would call me a week later and say, you know, the guy on your deck. And I said, yeah. Uh, well, they just found his body in the river. I said, yeah, I know. It's a dead guy that, that they come to my house and they want to be found and they don't know they're dead. <laughs> but they are 4D, not even 3D. You can see them and they're actually sometimes hiding behind uh, the door because they're like, where am I? And and it, it happens so many times. Uh, guests would come over and say, how many kids do you have? I thought you only had two. I said, I do. Well, who's the little kid running up and down the hall? I said, nothing. Don't worry about it. I mean, guests would come over and not know that ghosts would come to my house or victims of, of crime would come to my house. Even my kids were just sort of perplexed by it. When they saw the dead guy that drowned in the river, one of many cases, they were like, I'm done, Mom. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um and it was just, I don't know if it was that particular house, but we constantly have had things happen at our houses. And we're so used to it now. We just, we're just like, uh, okay, who's the guy at the top of the stairs? I don't know. 
just some dead guy. They come here. They visit. So sometimes find me, sometimes don't find me. And by the way, you brought up, uh, I'll just sidebar here. You brought up the um, case in uh, Canada, Greenland, wherever that, that, that TV show is. Yeah, here in Canada. The one, <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> they called us. They called my dad to find their treasure. And um, I told my dad to send it back and we're not going to do it. And he said, why? I said, did you ask for money? And he goes, I talked to him about it. They, they said they don't have any. I said, okay, well, then we're not going to do it. So we didn't do it. Mel Fisher's office called. I said, if they can't pay, we're not doing it. Because I knew I f- could find ships. So that's, that's the industry. It's, it's, uh, it's hot or cold. I just thought I'd share that with you. We got 30 so, seconds t- left, Jeanette, <clears throat> tonight. And I want to say a big thank you for you coming on. Where can people get in touch with you for your services? Okay, so I'm in Virginia, so I'll give you my telephone number, but do not call tonight. <laughs> um, A, my email is reachjeanette at gmail.com. Reach, R-E-A-C-H, Jeanette, G-I-N-E-T-T-E, at gmail.com, or call me in Virginia, 571-358-1444. And 571-358-1444. And thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, it's been a blast. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio brings us the extendo version of the Cryptid Report. Another hour of Spaced Out Radio coming at you right after this. Stay tuned. So much fun tonight, Jeanette. Thank you so much. We're glad you are here. And I think she might be gone. Well, let us just say goodnight to Jeanette. And uh, let's stop screen sharing there. And, or should we? Where the hell did that go? Shoot, I accidentally closed it. Um... Artemis. But uh, anyways, I will be right back. You guys just chill for a few seconds. And uh, yeah.
All right, I'm back. There we go. Mm-hmm. Who let the dogs out? I let the dogs out. And Super Duke got his hair down tonight. Woo! All right. It's going to be a good one. What is happening, people? That was an exciting launch by Artemis. And uh, NASA going back to the moon. I that stuff like that. I'm excited about. I am excited about that. Okay, that that is what I like about NASA. It's the rest of them that just make me go, Ugh. especially when it comes to the aliens. Thanks, Mike Bothwell. Big thank you to Worsley and Stephen for the super chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much. We very much appreciate it. And uh, let's see here. Uh, And uh, yeah, shop at our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. You got some good swag there. And we'll be coming up with some more soon. And here we go with the third hour, everyone. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor third and final hour of spaced out radio is now underway good to have you with us my name is dave scott always appreciate all of you tuning us in and hanging on out with us want to remind you that uh, you know we're here every night every single night and it's only going to get better very, very soon. I promise you that. All right. I want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Naufragius. Naufragius is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire, Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. Our third topic 
takes us all the way to Talk, Alaska, a place I've personally never heard of before. A small town just 93 miles from the Canadian border at roughly 6.05 a.m. on April 26, 2021, state troopers were informed about a potentially buried freezer in the woods. They located about 100 feet within the woodland near mile 112 of Talk, Alaska. It was on a small road known as Talk Cutoff Road, and I'm almost positive you guys will be able to guess what was inside. Unfortunately, the freezer contained human remains which were then transported to the state medical examiner's office in Anchorage. Although it was considered a homicide from the beginning, investigators never really gave much information. They didn't confirm the victim's gender, age, or even race that I know of. They didn't release any information initially about whether this could be tied to some sort of local missing persons case or not either. Though, to be fair, that would be for a good reason ultimately, as no one had reported this body missing, which would later be identified as a man. Even though, after later research, it turned out that this man's last known sighting was all the way in 2018. In mid-August, the victim was publicly identified as 67-year-old Michael Lynn Teff Teller, and of course his family was notified promptly. Lead investigator Michael Iverson would eventually confirm that the victim was indeed murdered. They appealed to the public for any information they may have. Iverson stated that Michael was an Anchorage transient, and they believe he had been dead for quite some time before the gruesome discovery. Authorities were hoping to learn what business he may have had in talk to figure out potential who he may have been meeting and who may be the culprit. They have gone through several avenues in this case, but apparently they are stuck at a standstill. To this day, it remains a complete mystery how Michael Teff Teller ended up in that freezer that day and how long he had been there. It's genuinely unsettling to think that his killer or killers are still out there running free. Since this case remains ongoing, many details have been withheld from the public still, but this is definitely a case I'll keep my eye on for the future to be sure to let you know of any updates or or if it gets solved. This case isn't the only case of human remains being found in the woods though. And oddly enough, in a freezer. In February 2020, 75-year-old Jean Soren Mathers was found dead during a wellness check in Tool, Utah. It was determined that she died of natural causes, but what police found in her home would leave them truly shocked. There was a second deceased body in her freezer. The body was later identified as Jean's 69-year-old husband, Paul Edward Mathers. His body was wrapped in a black garbage bag and then wrapped with a second one with duct tape for security. The popular running theory right now is that Jean kept her husband's death a secret so that she could continue to collect his veteran disability checks. Mathers was terminally ill with end-stage bladder cancer. He was last seen at the hospital on February 4th, 2009. An autopsy had placed his death only about a month later. The thought about him being in the freezer though, for a decade? is what truly creeps me out about this story. Additionally, the cause of death remains unknown. It is likely that he died from his terminal cancer though, that much we can assume, but of course this was never confirmed post-mortem, so who knows what actually happened. Likewise, asphyxiation couldn't be ruled out either because of the plastic bags. Technically, it could have been placed there before his death, but I guess we'll never truly know. There were also lethal levels of narcotics found in his system as well, which is pretty shady. But in a 2008 
eight letter from December written by Mathers himself, apparently, he did say that his wife had nothing to do with his death, although that is what my drama queen mother may try to accuse. This seems to indicate that maybe Mathers was aware of what his wife was going to do with his body, and maybe that they kind of collaborated on it together so she could still get money while he was gone. I mean, the estrangement from his family would definitely have helped that whole missing person thing, because nobody would really notice he was missing. How could they? But again, we can never really know for sure. Both people that participated are now no longer with us. It's entirely possible Mathers never wrote that letter, and this could all just be some devised plan of his wife. But ultimately, it remains one of those unanswerable questions in life. Oh, that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here. Coming on in, freaking us out a little bit for everything that he does, and Swamp Dweller kicks off every third or third hour of this show each and every Monday through Friday night. Hey, if you love Swamp Dweller and you want to hear more of his stories for free, head on over to his YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you can do it all right there. Just hit that subscribe button. All right, let's head into the forest. The cryptids are waiting. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is on his way. Love it when Super Duke is here from World Bigfoot Radio, educating us in all the weird and strange that is going on in this world. And Duke, I got a story for you that I shared with the audience last night. Cool. Yeah, man. And I'm actually going to. Now, if I, I recall, you are allowed to cross the border, I believe. Me? Yes. Oh, God, no. Canada would never allow me up there. Are you kidding? Well, true. True. Well, then you can't come. Then you can't come. But I've got uh, a real cool story here that I'm going to share with you. So yesterday, at my daytime job, I had some previous clients come on in because they needed to talk to me. And they, they said, hey, Dave, we, you know, we saw you on, on the Honda Gold Rush paranormal TV show up here. And that reminded us, we need to talk to you. And I said, great, great. They said, so how's the, how's the hunt for Sasquatch going? And I said, well, not too bad. I said, we had a sighting a few weeks ago and about a big 10 to 12 footer. And you know, that, that was pretty cool. And my son got to see it and so on and so forth. Well, anyways, about four and a half hours south of me, these people own a resort and they just opened up anticipation is building the holidays are just around the corner and at the home depot we can't wait with black friday savings all through november you can count down to christmas early with a santa countdown inflatable special buy only 69.98 or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of led lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. 
Don't miss our weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed Plus Special Financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. The resort after a couple of years of, of redoing it, rebuilding it, refurbishing everything. And six clients this year claim to have encounters, hearing things, or seeing footprints on their resort property. How cool is that? So they got one definitely hanging around there somewhere. They do. So I bet there's like a huge forest or something right next so to it. So they have seven acres. Uh-huh. Their neighbor, which is a ranch, is a 1,200-acre ranch. And behind, That's pretty good size. And behind that ranch is all crown land. Nobody there. Nobody can touch it. How, how crownish is it? How much are we talking? Thousands of acres. That's plenty. Tens of thousands <laughs> of acres. So That's in, plenty. Anyways, Duke, footprints have been found. Tree knocks have been heard. Whooping has been heard. Roaring has been heard. And one couple, I think there was one sighting, and another couple who was staying in the resort, went to bed and saw a red-eyed creature staring at them through the window. Uh, could have just been Mothman. <laughs> no, it was probably Sasquatch. So the, these people now, they want us to, they want me to put a team together and come down there. In, they don't open until May 1st. They want us to come down there and investigate the area in June or July because that's when things seem to heat up around there. And we're going to, I've got Nate and, uh, and Corey Rudd from Wibs coming up. I'm going to try and get Carter Bouchard. Merle is going to join me. My buddy Mark is going to be there. Uh, I might have my buddy Mike as well. And we're going to go down there and we are going to do a, a three to five day investigation. And we're going to, and they are just praying, dude, that we find something. They are praying that we find something because they want to actually advertise for their, <laughs> for their uh, resort that, Hey, we have Sasquatch sightings here. So don't be surprised. Well, why not? I mean, there's a lot of places that do that with the ghost. You know, they get a haunted place that people have had ghost activity there and they're like, Ooh, come here. You can, you know, rent this out for the weekend. And, that kind of stuff or do tours of it. And sure, why not? You know, if there's Sasquatch around there and people are actually brave enough to want to go spend some time in a place where they potentially might have a Sasquatch encounter or hear vocals or something. I mean, that's great. You know, the only thing is as long as you're not pressing them and trying to make show ponies out of them, they don't like that. But if there's one already hanging around there and it's like stressed, uh, you know, when you, when he's peeking in the window, you don't get to shoot at him and stuff like that. And yeah, it would be great. Well, and by the way, when you get up there and you start looking around, the first thing you're going to want to, want to do is figure out if there's one that's actually hanging around there during the summer, what's he eating, where is it? And more importantly, where's the water? Well, one of the things that got them very curious is they were cleaning up behind one of the sheds earlier mm. this year, and they actually found laying on the ground a carving, a six-foot carving of a Sasquatch. 
That was bizarre. So what did you know? Sasquatch got his action figures stashed there or something? Apparently, apparently, Super Duke. <laughs> but but you know, just the idea that the people there were having these experiences, and they didn't even know that behind it, behind one of their sheds, here is this this carving of a Sasquatch that's laying on the ground. And they're like, what the hell is this? So I'm thinking the previous owners must have ha- known something was around there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or That maybe. may actually be the, the basis for the whole wonderful situation you got going on right now where there's a Sasquatch hanging around the property that isn't aggressive and thinks humans aren't aggressive. Well, we'll know more come spring. Yeah, it sounds like a great place to check for sure. And if you know what, like you're saying, uh, June, July, if that's the time frame when they're generally active there, you know, but you could go there now and look and they might not be around because it could be just one of those areas that they're at for a few months and then they move somewhere else. You never know. I agree. I agree. So we'll see what happens when we get there, my man. See what happens when we get there. That'll be- And the best part about it is, Duke, they're allowing us to film everything. Sweet. Make your own little mini dock while you're there. We are. Extra cool. We definitely, definitely are. All right, buddy. Cryptid report time. We got about eight and a half minutes before we go to uh the break at the bottom of the hour. What do you got for us tonight? Now we got tons of time after the bottom of the hour too. Don't be pushing me, Dave. Hey. <laughs> I got I got uh something that you're gonna be interested in hearing. Um as soon as I can find the piece of paper I got it on. There's a report from up in your neck of the woods. Uh, where have I got that written down? There we go. And shout out to uh, Hammerson Peters, who's uh, one of the good, really good archivist presenters up there, writes books on all kinds of weird paranormal encrypted stuff up north of the border there in Canada. Eh? And in a recent video, he released Classic Canadian Sasquatch Stories Part 3, which is mostly all about the Columbia Mountains in Canada, different parts of it, different tribes that live in the area. Uh, one of the things I was talking about earlier on Beyond BMR show, which was about mountain giants and Janosqua, was about the uh, similarities and differences between actual giant giants and mountain giants and brought up the fact, because I had been looking into it a little bit recently, and like I said, uh, he mentioned this in one of the reports on his show. On the southwestern side of the Columbia Mountains, there's a tribe of Indians there that actually reference what they refer to as mountain giants up in the mountains. And that's not really the same thing that I'm talking about. But uh, their description of them is very interesting because it gets the same kind of description that the Paiute Indians, specifically Princess Winnemucca, gave of the uh, incident with the Lovelock Cave where the whole Paiute tribe was on the warpath trying to kill off all these giants kept eating them all the time. And the description up there is pretty much identical. They're humans. They look like white men, which was also the description of the giants in the Lovelock Cave. Red-haired white men. Same thing here. Beards, long hair, but otherwise men, just gigantic stature, and white men specifically. And interestingly, these guys seem to be completely the opposite of the giants in Lovelock Cave. They were not aggressive or hostile at all. There's no reports of them catching and eating people. Um, They seem to be like big wusses. They're said to overreact to pain. If you stick them with a little uh, pin or something, they'll be like, ow, and they'll run away. 
So these are not like the man-eating, bloodthirsty giants, although they other description exactly the same. One interesting point they made is that apparently the only time that they did interact with humans is occasionally they would try and catch one and keep them for a pet for a while. It wasn't because they wanted to eat them. They just wanted to keep one for a pet. And this is very interesting because this parallels a story in True Giants uh, by Lauren Coleman and Mark Hall where he's talking about um, modern or fairly modern sightings in the Pacific Northwest area specifically of these outsized creatures. And what's interesting about this book is he just kind of took this shotgun approach to it and got reports from anywhere all over the world where it was something that was either a giant or sounded similar to a Bigfoot but didn't match the description, and he just put them all in this one big book. And I think, frankly, what he got in here was uh, two or possibly three distinct different things that all got lumped into a big pile. So it's sort of like um, a treasure hunt going through this thing and then trying to interpret what the reports on some of these stuff mean. But this one uh, actually has been mentioned, I think I told you this one about a year ago, uh Indians long have known about giants and accounts of the big men in the mountains are contained in the autobiographical recollections of Susan Allison published in 1976 as a pioneer gentlewoman in British Columbia. Hey, that's near you, Dave. Hey, Edited maybe. by Margaret <laughs> Margaret Ormsby. All these things always end up being somewhere near Dave for some reason. The story of her life in the half, last half of the 19th century included the account of an old Indian, Kikiwas, who was carried off by the big men of the mountains to a cave inhabited by two giants in the area of Lake Okanagan. Yep. And again, the description of these guys sounds just like the ones that these other guys are describing, although behavior a little bit different. But again, we'll go on to the story. The giants were so tall that Kikiwas's head reached only to their knees. So, you know, you're talking 15, 20 feet. They were clothing made of goat skin, used fire, and rolled a large stone to seal their cave at night. The Indian was kept as something of a pet until he was able to flee the cave one night through a crack in the entrance. Kikiwas was an old man when he told his grandson and his great-grandchildren of the event. The giants were known to come down from their mountain caves, lured by the abundance of fish that the Indians were catching. And this is common for Bigfoot, too, where they would set up these fish traps and stuff, and if they didn't pull the fish out of them before dark when they went back in the morning, it wouldn't be any. Somebody would show up at night and take them all. <laughs> when tending a fish trap, Kiki Wass was picked up by a true giant and carried off. As he told it, soon it began to whistle. It was the same sound I had heard in my sleep and thought it was the north wind. The big man calmly filled the basket with fish out of my fish trap, and slinging it onto his shoulders, began to ascend the mountain, still whistling with all his might. Once he stopped, and taking me out of the breast, he took a fish, and perceiving that I must be hungry, tried to cram it down my throat. But seeing me choke, he desisted, and putting me once more in his bosom, went on his way whistling. Peeping, peeking out of the bosom of his shirt, I saw we were in a huge cave. It was dark, except for the red glow of some smoldering embers at the farther end. Throwing a few twigs on the embers, the big man blew them until, with a sharp, crackling sound, they began to blaze. Then I saw how vast a cave we were in. It was somewhat low for its size, and from the roof hung garlic meat and herbs. Taking me out of a shirt, the big man tied me with a rope by the leg to a log that lay near the fire. There he stood looking at me, and then for the first time I had a good look at him. 
He says, Toriskin, I was always esteemed to be a large man, but standing by the big man, my head was scarce level with his knees. His body was covered with garments of goat skin and was white, and he had a long bushy beard that hung down to his waist. He recounts that later a second giant appeared carrying three three dead does. He was as big as the first giant, and Kikiwas was able to watch them interact. He said they conversed in voices like thunder. He was held captive for a long time, but one night he was able to escape the cave. He wandered for months until he found his way back to his father's camp. Now, after hearing this account, Kikiwas' grandson, Toroskin, had his own encounter. One day he heard a shrieking whistle and hid in tall grass. He then watched one of these giants walking past his location. He told his family after this, Never will I doubt the wisdom and truth of the aged. For as thou sayest, Kikiwas, there are many strange things in these mountains. Well, you know, it's funny, Duke, as we got about a minute to go here. The story I just told you is close to that location. Uh huh. <laughs> By Okanagan Lake. Yep. Okay. I'm trying to picture where this would be on Okanagan Lake because, I mean, we got to be going back at some time because that entire lake, I mean, it's about 55 miles long. So I'm thinking this has to be on the north side because the southern side is mostly surrounded by desert on mm-hmm. on there. So it doesn't surprise me that the Okanagan Lake, which is also the home of Ogopogo, has, has this going on. doesn't surprise do, me. Due south of there in Montana, we have the biggest lake in Montana is Flathead Lake, and there's supposed to be a, a sea serpent monster there too. Which I went, oh yeah, every big lake has a sea monster in it. And I looked into it more and went, no, there's like constant sightings of this thing. Pretty credible ones too. Like every year practically somebody's seen this thing. Some years several times and everybody's like, what the hell is that thing out there? Oh, there's supposed to be a sea monster in the lake. Well, maybe that's what I saw. Cause <laughs> What's that thing? No, you got that right. We're going to continue with the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. His hair is looking long and fine he's going to continue with the stories when we return on Space Down Radio for the final half hour stay tuned alright we are clear uh, Wallet Moth asking question how is Vegas going to start without Doug Shelby the Doug Shelby is going to be in Vegas Guaranteed. Guaranteed the Doug Shelby is in Vegas. Otherwise, we're going to hunt him down. We're going to hunt him down big time. That's what you got to do. Sometimes there is no choice. Excuse me. Let's see. Itsy Zaza and Tokeland. Welcome. May 19th through 21st, 2023 at the Golden Nugget. And I'll put up our Facebook page for that. Let me go to events here for a second. See all events. There we go. 
There is a shorter link to this. Uh, where is the link? The uh, link is just like way too long on this. I think if I click here, that changes it about. There we go. Copy. Here's our link to Vegas. As of right now, with a few months to go, we have 53 people who've responded. 19 people saying they are going, they are in. And 31 who are interested. We gotta invite some more people. We gotta invite some more people. Samantha Hazelwood Gray is thinking about coming there, the Doug Shelby. Yeah, see, Doug Shelby's gonna or he doesn't even know yet, but he's gonna open things up. He's get once we go live on YouTube, he's gonna be I'm the Doug Shelby. And I'm here to say that we can officially start this show. The Doug Shelby. That's how it works. That's how it's all getting going. Right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Itsy Zaza, make sure you go on our Facebook page. Sign up that you're interested or... Or going one of the two. That would be a wonderful, wonderbarful. And uh, da, da, da. let's invite some people, see if it'll still allow me to. I don't know. There we go. There's some more people. Yeah, we want to we want to try and top 100 people this year. See if we can get 100. That'll be cool. That will be cool. Excellent, Tracy Scott. We want to see you there. We do. We got uh, 27 seconds.
Here we go. We round it third. We're heading for home tonight on Space Down Radio. Good to have you with us. Glad you could join us. Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. We continue on with the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is back with the juice when it comes to spooky history of Bigfoot. Duke, take it away. And I am back, and let me amplify on what Dave just said. Do Davey that favy, hit thumbs up, the rest is all gravy. And getting back to what we were talking about before the break went down there, uh, what did we learn from that story? Well, there's things other than Bigfoot running around up there. Those are those giants. They were wearing clothes. They were doing things humans would do. They had an indoor shelter that they had constructed inside of a cave and herbs and meat hanging from the ceiling. Uh, Kiki Wass was not eaten. Uh, they kept him as a pet for a while until he managed to escape. Popeye's driver here with the shipment of the seasoning for our new blackened chicken sandwich. Do you copy? Copy that. Do you copy me? Copy that. I got paprika, cumin, and onion. Copy. Copy that. Salt, black pepper, white pepper. Copy that. Red pepper. Copy. Copy that. Almost forgot about garlic. Copy that. Do you think others will copy us? Copy. Copy that. I'm sure they'll try. Introducing the new blackened chicken sandwich. No breading, all flavor. Non-breaded and fried at participating U.S. restaurants. Um, who are you? I'm you, from the future. What do you want? I want to tell you about Dave. Dave has your future money. Spend it on whatever you need. With extra cash from Dave, you can get up to 500 bucks instantly with no interest and no credit check. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. And you can also see a little bit about the Giants' um, lack of knowledge of humans other than they trap fish and we can swipe them. Because um, he, he lists only two of the things that obviously they were eating. One was the fish that they swiped from him, and the other one was deer they already had there, and then the other giant brought in three deer. So it seemed like they're eating a mostly meat diet. Who knows how many veggies? He didn't describe anything like that. And yet they didn't eat him. He was just an interesting toy. And again, after the giant grabbed him, maybe just as an afterthought, like, oh, this is interesting. I'll bring one with me and see what they're like. (laughs) They kind of look like us, but they're a lot shorter. Good thing they catch fish for me. And just like some kid that picked up a pet on his way home, partway along the trip, he thinks to himself, well, I wonder if my pet's hungry. I know they eat fish because they trap them. I'll see if he wants to eat and tries to cram a fish down the guy's face. Now, apparently, he has never watched humans eat a fish or anything because he has no idea how that's done. So this tells you how little these beings see humans or interact with us at all. They don't have the curiosity of Bigfoot, apparently. 
because the Bigfoot will observe us constantly and watch everything we're doing if we're in their area. And these things just don't seem to give a rip or they ignore us because it's like probably a better idea. So that's a clue there that in some ways, even if they're in an area there, although they're bigger and more obvious, they're, they're living underground. They're really good at moving through areas quickly. And by nature, they're not that curious. So they haven't got any reason to get near us. They'll stay the hell away from us because they're smart enough to recognize we're a threat, especially in groups. <clears throat> and another thing is the territories that they favor, these high rocky mountains and stuff. You know, I've climbed around in those areas. That's what my research area is like. And sometimes you call, come uh, walking up a slope and there's a wall of rock in front of you that's like 20 feet high and there's no handholds. How are you going to get up that, you know? And with them, if they come walking up to a wall of rock that's 10 feet high, that's only up to their waist. They put their hands on it, hoik, pull up their lower body, and they're good to go. They're not free climbing anything. They can do that in a second. So they can go right up some of these things, you know, that look impossible or super difficult and time-consuming for us to climb. Boop, boop, boop. They go right up them. So the terrain favors them and is not in uh, favor of us doing any kind of pursuit of them or trying to figure out where they're at. And also this this comes up with some of the Bigfoot reports too, where they hide in these undergrounds and they hide the entrances to the undergrounds. Well, if you're one of these gig gigantic beings and you can move a big boulder around and just hide the mouth of your cave, if anybody goes walking by, they're not going to look at this huge boulder and go, hey, I bet that's a door and somebody's moving it around and there's a cave behind it. Are you freaking kidding me? Of course nobody's going to notice it. No, no way. No, it's like unless you see giant tracks going into it or something, it's like there's no tip off whatsoever that there's actually a cave there and something's living in it. And this has come up before, too, where a researcher was out in the woods in this area where there was a lot of Sasquatch activity, and he found a cave. And then he went back like three or four times trying to find this place, and he couldn't find it. And he knew exactly where it should have been. He was even on the, on the right hillside, near the same rock outcrop, couldn't figure out where it was. And then finally he went back, and he, he's almost certain that he found the exact same spot. And there's just a big rock there. There's no cave. It, it amazes me, Duke, and we've even heard this from our missing 411 cases, where people claim that that they're in this spot, they've detailed where the spot is, and then when they try to go back there, the spot is completely different. I I just don't get this, how that happens. Yeah, I don't quite get that either. This happened to one of my friends who's actually been out and done research with me here. He lives up in uh, the Selkirk Range up by the border of Canada. And uh, he was on this little, it's a, uh, one of these wetland areas where you kind of expect that they're probably going to be hanging around. And it was, the river was low enough that he could wade out to some of the islands that were near shore and go check them out. And one of me found all kinds of signs that the kids were left there to play around because there was lots of little uh, squatchlet tracks all over the island and even found little piles of poo and stuff. And then just like one set of adult tracks that were there. And the next time he decided to go back to the island, he got onto the island and he said, like, this island isn't much bigger than a football field. And I walked out toward the middle of the island and all of a sudden everything looked completely different. And I couldn't figure out where the hell I was. It didn't even seem like I was on an island anymore. I couldn't see off the edge of the island. I should be able to through the tree line to where the river is on every side. Couldn't see it. 
So he got really spooked and just sat there, which may have been the smartest thing to do, for about 20 minutes. And he said all of a sudden his head cleared and everything looked like it had when he walked in. And he knew exactly where he was again. And then he was super spooked. He turned around and walked right back out the way he came in and hasn't gone back to that island since. That's just amazing to me. It amazes me how that works and how, you know, our minds can play tricks on us that way. I I just, I don't get it. Oh, it's possible there was some kind of a portal there on that island, too, that wasn't completely stationary. And, it, you know, he right. may have actually moved through it and then moved through it again without realizing it. Um, I had a guest that was on my show that actually knows where there are several of those. And uh, out of curiosity, because she has more damn courage than common sense, when she saw one open up, she stuck her arm through with a camera and took a picture. That's a very interesting picture. There's a couple of entities in there that don't look particularly friendly or recognizable as anything we would know. And it kind of looks like one of these, something you would see on Star Trek where they're like inside of a wormhole or something is what everything looks like. It's just really weird and hard to describe. I get you. I get you. What else you got for us tonight, my man? Well, we got a bunch of other reports from the olden days. And again, like I said, uh, in his book here, he just kind of took all of these things and slapped them together without any kind of order or reference that this might be a completely different cryptid than what we're talking about in this other story. Uh, this one, again, to start off with, is up there near where you are. And uh, he says once in a while the appearance of these super-sized beings gets some widespread newspaper coverage, which happened in Alberta in 1969. One of these beings appeared within sight of the construction site for the Bighorn Dam. The dam is on the North Saskatchewan River west of Nordegg. Several witnesses mutually supported the view. They had all seen the tall, hairy beast. They also had the benefit of trees near where the creature was standing watching them so they could judge with great accuracy the estimates of its height by measuring the trees. And these are construction workers. They have tape measures. On August 23rd, five construction workers reported seeing a dark figure moving about on a ridge overlooking the site. In fact, it was watching them work. The men were Floyd Hengen, Dale Body, Harley Peterson, Stan Peterson, and Guy Lahiro. The figure was as tall as the spruce trees besides it. That means it was 15 feet tall. The figure watched the men for quite some time. It sat down, then finally stood up and strode away, taking long steps on its legs. The local Indians had been seeing a group of four such creatures in the area, but they didn't say anything about this until the excitement was raised in August at the dam site. And it doesn't mention it here, but actually the creature watched them for almost 45 minutes. There was one guy who spotted it initially and noticed it for about 10 minutes, then pointed it out to his friend, and both of them kept an eye on it for the better part of another 10 minutes. And then they told their other three buddies who were nearby, hey, look at this thing up on the ridge. So, yeah, from the time the first guy spotted it until it walked away, it was almost 45 minutes. So they had a lot of time to watch this thing and be quite certain of what they were looking at. And it says another episode of some notoriety took place in Montana in 1977. And this, again, occurred in August. Three men were chased from a hill in Belt Creek Canyon by what they described as a 15-foot-tall hairy creature. Uh, yeah, this isn't too far for me. I would have to go 
east, uh, east northeast of me is where this would be. All these men that reported the sighting were airmen from Malmstrom Air Force Base, oh, but only one right. of them came forward. And, yeah, exactly. It's well, that's the ways away, but <laughs> Montana's big. But yeah, that's near. There were airmen from Malmstrom Air Force Base, but only one of them came forward and allowed his name to be published. He was Fred C. Wilson. And Fred took and passed a polygraph test. The other two men confirmed the story to the press, but remained anonymous. The three also had two youngsters with them that day. They were intended to camp on a hill above Belt Creek when a thunderstorm developed at about 2 a.m. on August 20th. So they decided to go back to their vehicle because it was a really bad thunderstorm. On their way, they heard a strange noise. The Great Falls Tribune reports what Wilson said happened next. Quote, I turned on my flashlight and saw this huge creature standing beside a tree about 25 yards away, Wilson said. We watched it for about 10 seconds before it moved off into the trees. Then we ran for the car. According to Wilson, the creature was walking upright across a clearing when the men reached the vehicle. One of his companions, unfortunately, fired two shots from a shotgun to frighten the animal away. This did not have the desired effect. Quote, the shots were not fired at the animal, but into the trees adjacent to it, Wilson said. We were not trying to shoot it. We just wanted to keep it away from us so we could get out of there. But the three men said the ape-like creature took it the wrong way and instead charged and got to within 20 feet of the vehicle before they managed to fire it up and drive off. Wilson gave this account of it. Quote, it looked like a semi-truck coming at us. It took 40-foot strides. It was hideous. It had small apish-type eyes, a flattened nose, and canine-type fangs, which showed when its mouth was open. Its face was totally covered with hair, and the head was oblong. So, uh, yeah, this is the very same giant that was identified by the American Indians being in other regions of North America and also could be one of the same ones that they talk about when they have such ominous titles as crusher of people and killers of men. Wow. Wow. Nothing too ominous there, my friend. No, this is all really, really, you know, that's why we do the the cryptid report during the third hour. So the little kitties aren't up to have horrendous nightmares, but the, the enormous footprints of some of these giants have made the news in the last half of the 20th century. And here's a list of some of them. Tracks over 20 inches long, showing four toes, were reported at Pitt Lake, British Columbia in 1965. At Snoqualmie, Washington and Cold Lake, Alberta in 1976. At Abbey, Alberta in 1977. At Yakult, Washington in 1980. And at Prineville, Oregon in 1996. Keeping in mind, all of these tracks over 20 inches long, Four toes. I can also add to this a list of uh, some other ones that were, were from further afield. Hold on just a second. I'll find it again. They were in the, the lower U.S. and have been found at various times. And I can also add to that um, two from up here. One report that I took from Papa Craig, who lives over in northern Washington state, and reported that when he was camping out in the Wallowa Mountains in the 1970s, he found a ginormous track that he at first mistook for a mud puddle. He thought it was a mud puddle, 
And he looked at it and went, oh, that's pretty funny. That mud puddle of those four elk tracks at the front of it looks just like a track. And then he took a closer look and realized those weren't elk tracks. Those were toes. The track, he said, and he didn't have a tape measure with them, was uh, closer to three feet long than two feet long. So we're guessing at least 30 inches. And he backtrailed it, and about 12 feet back, there was another track. And then he went from where it was forward, and about 12 feet in front, there was another track. And then another one, about 12 feet in front of that. And another one, same distance in front of that. And then the tracks went into a swamp. And there were just potholes where this thing had stepped about every 12 feet. Well, as if that isn't scary enough, his own kid, many years later, in the same area, told his dad that he had seen these gigantic tracks, too. So that's the ones that we collected. And then uh, 2019, my own research team member, Michael Matt, was about two miles away from the ghost town of Coloma, where we like to do a lot of camping and research. And he was just driving along the road with his family. And he saw an X structure. And he's a good Bigfoot researcher. He went, hey, that's an X structure. I'm going to park here for a second and go up and take pictures. So he grabbed his camera, parked the vehicle with wife and kids in, ran up the hill to where the X structure was. And right when he got there, he got this wall of dread thing. Oh, yeah. And it's mid-afternoon. It's a bright, sunny day. No reason for it. And he's just like, whoever made this is around here, and they're not happy I'm here. I'll take a couple quick pictures and get out of here. So he snapped one from the front, walked over to the side, snapped one from the side, proving that, yeah, both the pieces are together. This is an actual tree structure. Got around to the back end of it. There's two tracks on the ground. He didn't have his tape measure with. He wasn't expecting to find tracks. He was going to take pictures of a tree structure, right? So he puts his foot down next to one of them and takes a picture of it. That picture is included in the end uh, piece on every one of my shows. It's part of it. And you can see the outline of the foot, and then the outline disappears, and it just shows the track itself there. Mike's foot with shoe on is about 13 inches long. The track is almost twice as long as his foot and twice as wide as his foot is. And it's a four-toed track, so it's a mountain giant. There's been tracks of these things found all over in the south, too, but irregularly. Um, it's it's rare, you know, like every three, four, five years, maybe somebody will find one. And a lot of times I think people miss them because, like in the case with Papa Craig, he thought it was a mud puddle. He just thought it was like, oh, look, that mud puddle looks like a giant track. And look at those elk tracks at the front of it look like toes. And then he bothered to stop and take a look, closer look and went, those aren't elk tracks. Those are toes. <laughs> what left this thing? If something left this, there should be more tracks. Yes, there were. More tracks. It always gets more tracks. What does this all mean, Duke? What does this all well, mean? It means, it means that uh, the world is not only stranger than we imagine, it's stranger than we can imagine. And a lot of the things that we thought were fairy tales when we were kids are absolutely real. And you've been lied to your whole life since you were a little kid. And most of the stuff they told you about reality and history is complete hogwash. That's what it means, Dave. Uh, always so positive with stuff like that. <laughs> you are like Mr. Positive. Mr. Positive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like evil Gandalf. I show up and go, look at all the wonderful world of enchantment and excitement, and it's all dangerous. <laughs> Stay away from the Balrogs, kids. Oh, I hear you. 
I hear you there. We got about two and a half minutes left, Super Duke, and we might as well finish it off with you tonight. You know, uh, we're still trying to maybe get back into our area one more time this year, uh, depending on the snow. Uh, we'll maybe try this weekend. You know, you've been. Uh, How deep is the snow out there right now? Out there, we don't know. Area? In my area, it's only a couple of inches. Well, if it's similar out there, it's still a good time to go out there because if they're like the Sasquatch down here, apparently are anticipating long, hard winter. So they're scrambling, running around, gathering more food and whatnot. So unless it's already at the point where they figure they've got enough, you could very likely find track lines running around. Well, that's what we're going for. you know. But- in the snow, man. That's the best way to go. You get them in the snow. Yeah. Well, the good part about it is you know, we can just tour the logging roads and just look for prints now. You know, most of the bears are are, are out of the way, and, uh, you know, they've gone up into their caves for hibernation or whatever it may be, so, you know. Yeah, they probably got nappy time by now. It's too late in the year for them, where you're at anyway. Well, you know, I mean, we were even doing that this summer, but I had Keith Crabtree up here. We were driving around the valley that I do all my research in. Basically, what we were doing is he was watching one side of the road and I was watching the other side of the road because most of it, it's fairly steep embankment for at least eight, 10 feet up. And a lot of it, it's just like sand or dirt. So anything that's crossing the roads, it's leaving tracks. (laughs) And there were tons of tracks of everything, deer, elk, moose, and Bigfoot that we were finding while we were driving up and down the roads there. So that was fun. Because he's very mobility limited. Let's go find Bigfoot tracks. All I have to do is drive up and down the road. Just watch for him. Where can everybody find World Bigfoot Radio, my friend? You can find me over at uh, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute. And now that Elon Musk announced they're going to start putting videos up on Twitter, I think I'm probably going to be over there, too. Yes, we're going to see what happens there. That's... Quite the circus going on over at Twitter right now. <laughs> oh, oh it's so much fun. Who wouldn't? It's like the Wild West. Why wouldn't you want to go? <laughs> I, I was watching him with one tweet today where I guess his employee was, was complaining, and all of a sudden he tweeted to, back to the guy, you're fired. What? <laughs> what? Oh, no, you're working for a real boss now. Oh, my God, reality. Harsh. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't get it. Don't get it. Don't want to. I'm just trying. Doesn't care. I'm just trying to figure out how we can get uh, spaced out radio blue check mark the proper way. Eight bucks. All you got to do is pay eight bucks. I'm you not paying it. the eight. Hey, we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio at SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, 
We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Popeye's Driver here with the shipment of the seasoning for our new blackened chicken sandwich. Do you copy? Copy that. Do you copy me? Copy that. I got paprika, cumin, and onion. Copy. Copy that. Salt, black pepper, white pepper. Copy that. Red pepper. Copy. Copy that. Almost forgot about garlic. Copy that. Do you think others will copy us? Copy. Copy that. I'm sure they'll try. Introducing the new blackened chicken sandwich. No breading, all flavor. Non-breaded and fried at participating U.S. restaurants. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.